Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to On Death, the podcast where we talk about death through the four prompts. I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want. This week, we sit down with Randall Sheffield. Randall is a 29-year-old doctor of physical therapy, yogi, and friend. Since our previous conversation about 18 months ago, Randall has graduated from PT school, developed himself spiritually, and stepped into his role as a teacher and speaker. During this conversation, we discuss how Gainesville, Florida kicked off his spiritual journey, why he hasn't touched a barbell in weeks, and Randall relates a recent brush with mortality off the beach of Costa Rica. Before we talk more about Randall and this great follow-up conversation that we have together, I want to talk about my long-form Sundays posts. These are my weekly reflections on medical school from the very first anatomy lab to now, uh, starting off my, uh, quote, paternity leave, uh, which is really interview season for residency during the fourth year of my medical school. And right now, I just finished up my uh, hospice and palliative medicine rotation, and so the past ones have been about that. And uh, on October 14th, 2018, I published On a Tale of Two Caretakers. This week, I related two stories, one of a Ghanaian immigrant with a background in faith healing and voodoo, and one of a Catholic mother caring for a chronically and terminally ill teenager. The different reactions from these two cases disquiets me, and I reflect on the reasons why. Then more recently, on October 21st, 2018, I published On Black, White, and Shades of Grey. This week, I reflected on my favorite coping mechanism at this weird stage in my life. Go. I fell in love with this board game after watching a Netflix documentary called The Surrounding Game. In between Shades of Grey, on the consult service, and attempting to schedule interviews around the due date of a baby, I find solace in the black and white of a Go board with my father. So you can find these uh, weekly reflections if you go to the Big Mothership website, mnmwod.com, that is mnmwod.com, or Mobility and Mindfulness Work of the Day. Additionally, you can just type in eugenehkim, that's my name, into your browser, and it'll bring you there anyway. So that might be a little easier for folks to remember. As well as, you can find uh, all of these, pu- all of these uh, writings published and collected on Amazon. If you type in physician education, my stuff will be the f- first things that pop up. And uh, you can buy the Kindle uh, ebook versions there, or you can buy uh, paperback versions there, uh, whatever floats your boat. Or you can just read them all online for free, uh, whatever, you know, if you don't mind. So uh, back to Randall. Randall is this being, this energetic source, and right here, now, living the best life he can. Before Randall dies, he wants to affect a million people and to go to a slackline festival out in Utah. When Randall dies, he wants it to be peaceful and to be with his family and friends. After Randall dies, he wants to be buried with the trees. And in conclusion, Randall says, to anyone listening that may be dealing with something that they have weighing on their heart, I would tell them to run at it head on to go for it, to take the risk, because you never know until you try. Yes, it may be scary, it may be frightening, there may be a whole lot of fear, but in essence, you looking at it and you just being, all right, yeah, this is scary, but this is what I feel like I'm here to do, and by acting out of courage or faith, whatever you want to call it, taking that initial step, the universe will back you up and will help you get you to where you need to go. Well said, Randall, well said. So, um... This was, uh, as we mentioned above, uh, this is a really great follow-up interview. This is the second follow-up interview that I've conducted, and uh, I'm starting to hone in on things. You know, uh, for 
So I included the uh, the warm-up questions uh, for this interview at the end of this interview, and then I also included the first interview that we conducted at the very end. So if you kind of like, uh, let me see exactly how far. If you kind of bump out towards uh, the two-hour mark, that'll be sort of when, when we start the second interview, if you hadn't heard Randall before, if you just want to like go, you know, go chronologically. So um, with this, we uh, it was nice because with our with this second time around on the re-interview, I, uh, I was like, okay, we're gonna listen to the first interview first. We're gonna talk about our thoughts of what 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 happened and like uh, where we were at this phase in our life, and just reflecting on uh, just having this really neat time capsule of this first conversation together. And um, I think it worked really well, and I think you'll be interested to hear his thoughts about what he uh, thought of that first interview. Uh, you know, with with about 18 months apart. And um, this was a really great conversation. We, uh, we ha haven't really seen each other since the second year of medical school, relatively shortly after that first interview, uh, because I went off to, uh, up to Pennsylvania, and he stayed down in Florida, and we just, you know, our paths haven't crossed very much, but we try to keep in touch. And so this was a really great chance to really dig deep into some issues and just talk and uh, really get, you know, let each other uh, bring the best out in, in one another. And so we talk about a lot of cool stuff like his uh, spiritual journey, uh, ecstatic dance, and ecstatic singing, which is ecstatic singing I've never heard singing I've never heard of, and I think that was pretty interesting. And I'd, I'd love to attend one. And uh, we talk about his CrossFit journey uh, from CrossFit to yoga, and uh, we also talk a lot about um, this journey, th this experience that he had in Costa Rica on the first night he was there, and uh, how that. And we and I use that as the interviewer to really poke him a lot, to really test his um, his resolve and some of the things that he holds or he s tells me that he feels is important, because um, I think that having a recent event like that allows me as the interviewer to really flesh out his thoughts and feelings on death um, versus, you know, just the, like, I would like to die alone uh, or I would like to die surrounded by loved ones and family. It's like, OK great ideal situation but let's really play with the hypothetical here and see how far are you willing to go if you don't want to be intubated if you don't want advanced care uh, but you want to be surrounded by friends and family let's play with it and find those shades of gray there um, and we really dive deep and I think it was, it was really great and so uh, he talks about the story leading up to that Costa Rica journey or up until that Costa Rica night uh, in the uh, warm up questions at the end of this interview so it's a little you know we kind of go memento style uh, back in time, but I think it'll it'll all kind of make sense, and I think it'll flow pretty well. And so this was a really great conversation. I really I look forward to seeing how Randall uses his uh, you know his skills, his passion to affect people around him, and uh, what um, you know ripples that he gets out going. Because uh, we're we're dear friends, and I really I'm really looking forward to uh, just keeping track of him, and you know checking up in a couple of years once he's you know practicing and doing his PT thing and. Who knows? Uh, I hope that you enjoy this conversation because um, it's a good one. <laughs> so I uh, hope you got your tea ready, your water ready, something to uh, and you know to uh, keep your hands busy as you as you enjoy this really great conversation with Randall Sheffield on death once again. Side note. I am sorry. I don't know why my voice sounds really weird on the recording in this interview, but it does. It sounds really deep and slow. Uh, I, I, I don't know what to do about that, so um, just kind of power through and kind of know that my voice is weird in this, but Randall's voice, who does a lot of the talking, fortunately, uh, his voice sounds pretty normal. So uh, just, I don't know what happened. Uh, apologies. Computer Goblin's got it.
It is September 26th, 2018. I'm sitting here in my Coopersburg apartment, and Randall Sheffield is sitting in his Panama City house. Yeah, Panama City, Panama Beach, City house. Beach house yeah. and uh, in Florida, and we're going to be talking about death through the four prompts. Randall, what are the four prompts? Uh, who am I? What do you want to do before you die? What do you want to be remembered for? And then what do you want to do after you die? Pretty good. I believe those are all of them, or pretty close to. Pretty close. And okay. uh, so how do you finish that first prompt, I am? This has been an interesting thing of lately. Like, I would, I remember listening to the first one, and it was just, like, so ego-driven, the questions. Like, I am this, 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 and this. But in essence, I'm not really any of those things. Like, it's just... I am this being, I am this person, I am this energetic source, this energetic soul. And I just happened to dabble in a few of these other things like PT, uh, yoga, and that's really all I've been doing lately is physical therapy <laughs> and yoga. But, you know, um, CrossFit was a part of that growing process. But I am just this energetic source, this energy field, if you will, that wants to love and wants to share love and wants to be loved. And like, it's just been beautiful to kind of disassociate myself from the ego, but it's not something that just happened. Like, Hey, I woke up, no more ego. It's, you know, it's a daily thing. Like mm -hmm. we all, we live in a world where we love instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And that is like very ego, like make the ego feel good. Put my mask up. Yeah. Rah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been this interesting journey of learning how to let that go mm -hmm. and just be open, real, vulnerable, and honest in every situation. And it has been this just kind of beautiful blossoming of growth. Um, so I wouldn't say that I am any one thing in particular. I am. You know, I am here right now living the best life I can and loving and sharing this experience with all these beautiful people that I happen to interact with. Um, and it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Glad. So uh, there are two pieces that you kind of mentioned here. Uh, one is sort of like your athletic journey. Mm -hmm. And the other one is uh, the spiritual journey that you're going on. And um, I want to give you the option of which one do you want to dive into first? I think they're both intertwined, so we can tackle them together. All right, so let's let's start at the beginning then. Um, okay. Did you have a religious or spiritual upbringing to your childhood? Yes, I grew up in a, I guess, we'll say this with like quotations, like Christian home. Mm -hmm. um, it was, we'd go to church, not every Sunday, but you know, when we were feeling good or we'd go to church Sunday, da, 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 do, the, do the Bible school thing. You know, that was pretty much from when I was like, can't remember anything to like ninth, 10th grade. Mm -hmm. uh, but it fourth grade was an interesting year because I went to a uh, all Christian <clears throat> school. Mm -hmm. So it was like a Christian elementary school that progressed into a middle school that turned into a high school. And so it was just like fed Christianity. Every Wednesday we had chapel, we'd go sit and all of these things, right? Like mm -hmm. it was just like dumped on you, like mm -hmm. shower, right? And I had always questioned the idea of 
there only being one way to get to heaven. And that just didn't resonate or didn't make sense to me in any way, shape or form. Like, Mm. this is the only way. And I'm like, but there are people all over this world that don't like that just doesn't make sense. Like what? Mm-hmm. I mean, tell me there's only one way like that's not, <laughs> that. Just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around and fathom that idea. Um, so I'd always kind of question just Christianity being the only true way to get to heaven or to know God or universe or source or whatever you like to call the uh, greater power that, mm-hmm. that that is. Um, so I'd always kind of grown up questioning that. And then after graduating high school, I kind of did this whole dissociation where I was kind of like rebellious, like, oh, I'm done with that. Like, this doesn't make mm-hmm. sense to me. I'm tired of being force fed it, got away from it. And then I had interesting people come into my life, like just, you know, like divinely orchestrated little dabs of time Boop, boop mm-hmm. just showed up. Um, so I had it's like friends that, came in and started introducing me to more like the spirituality um, concept of like energy and energy works and energy healing. And I remember going to like this first energy convention and it was just like, I was like, I'm weirded out. This is kind of strange. These people are playing with rocks (laughs) and like doing all these weird things. And I remember like being able to like feel the energy and like feel, you know, when people go to like a sporting events and they're like, it's electric in here. They can feel the energy. That was what I felt but in this convention, like in this place where there was like no real reason to be excited, like nobody's playing sports or anything. It was just like this palpable field. And I was just like, Oh, this is interesting. You know? And then I remember sitting down in a chair and talking to some guy from California and they're like doing, he's like, I'm going to do like an energy cleanse on your energy thing. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And he's like going through, he's like, Oh, here's something. And I remember, I kid you not. I remember he's like, I'm about to cut something. And I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, in my mind, like I'm trying to rationalize what's really happening. Cause I just got into this and I kind of dove in pretty quickly. And I remember him cutting like this cord, if you will. And I remember like, kind of like floating up a little higher in my chair, like literally feeling myself get lighter in the chair. And I was like, that was weird. <laughs> You're not here anywhere to be like around. But yet I just kind of like whoop, sat up a little taller. Really weirded me out. Like it was kind of a strange event that happened. And I, I didn't really know how to respond to it at the time mm-hmm. with everything else that was going on in this convention. Um, but like... interesting (laughs) um no but that was just like like the start of the journey right that just kind of got the ball rolling made me start like getting back into like maybe there is a higher power and all this kind of stuff and that happened um kind of got away from it again got back into it happened to find the power of now on a shelf in a goodwill which kind of rekindled the flame again one time for me uh, just happened to be a goodwill I walked into very first book I picked up was it by Eckhart Tolle and I was just like this is good I needed that you know then got down to PT school we ran into each other and that kind of rekindled the the spirituality flame a little bit with different experiences we had and interacted with and um, 
then I got to Gainesville, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where it was just like, like, just like blown out of proportion of the people I met, the community I was a part of and just watching as I tipped one domino, it was just like this, just this world just exploding. Um, One of my best friends, I call him one of my soul brothers is uh, Ian Phillips. And we had a very superficial, you're going to love this. We had a very superficial CrossFit relationship. And we Mm -hmm. met about four or five years ago when I was in Gainesville. I just happened to stop into a gym. He was there. We're like, hey, you work out. I work out. We work out. (laughs) We can be friends. Um, So that was like the start of this friendship. And it only lasted like two days that I was there. Right. We're like, okay, he's cool. Yeah, whatever. We went on our separate ways. Just happened to uh, one thing led to another. I got a chance to um, do a clinical rotation in Gainesville at UF Shands. Happened to go down there, happened to see an Instagram post by him about him, like reading The Alchemist. It was a great book. One of my favorite books. Love it. Kind of messaged, like saying, hey, what's up? I'm in Gainesville. We should hang out. We didn't hang out. Then I saw another post about the temple of the universe, which I was like, well, this is interesting. What's this about? He's like, hey, come, come meet me here. Boo, 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 we'll go. Dude, like what? (laughs) I remember walking out of this temple in the middle of the woods and just sitting down in this like little dojo type thing and being able to like feel the energy that, that, convention had again and i was just like wow this is this is this again and i hadn't meditated in like years um i remember sitting down he's like we're gonna meditate for like 15 20 minutes and this guy's gonna come talk and i'm like all right cool i can do this sit down and meditate and within like just clearing my mind and within like the first 10 minutes i almost could feel myself like spiraling out of my physical body it was crazy like I've never experienced anything like that. So I'm like, I'm, it was just one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Just feeling like my energetic soulful body, just like, like almost filling up this room, just like growing. Um, so that I was like, I was, Oh wow. I'm here. This is awesome. The, um, <laughs> a guy by the name of Michael Singer, Mickey Singer, it's his place. Uh, comes in starts talking about you know spirituality and how us as humans we love to make things hard um and pretty much the one thing that i mean he said that always stuck with me is like when it's done in the physical it should be done in the mental but one of my favorite things he ever said it's like we're spinning on a rock around in the middle of nowhere and you're worried about ketchup on your pants (laughs) it's just like I don't know. You got a point. Like, why, why, why did that ever upset me to begin with? Um, but like just that, that was one thing. And then I met some people who were like, come to ecstatic dance, which we've talked about. And that has just been a whole different transient experience in itself. Like you with your own thoughts for 90 minutes and learning how to like, just move and like work all this excess shit that you have within yourself out. And I have never really felt any better after doing that. Like I'm sweaty, I'm gross. I feel like I jump in a pool, but I just feel like so free. You know, it's just like this release of all this excess stuff we love to hang on to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that I did another thing down there. It was like ecstatic singing. So essentially the same thing, but just with your voice. And that went on for like three hours, which was a crazy experience. <laughs> like, and we, the funny thing is like during this, during the ecstatic singing things, like we didn't actually sing like a real English word the entire time. Like not a bit. And it was, it was funny because it's the ego loves to put up a wall right like you're only gonna let you so far in and i remember when we started that that little bit um everybody was like really timid to begin with and didn't really want to be heard and wasn't sure really what to do but by the end of it it was just like like just (laughs) blasting like (laughs) letting it all go and just being completely vulnerable um so yeah those those events like it's so funny to look at because like without one little thing happening, I wouldn't have been able to experience any of it. Right. If I hadn't gone to Gainesville, then I don't know where I would be, what I would be doing or if I would have rekindled this openness to spirituality and to love and to love myself and like to truly love others that I interact with and be around and understand there is a higher power and a greater, a greater calling for me to be here than just to like help one patient at a time type deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's a, there's a higher, and I can feel it. There's a, there's a, a bigger picture that I can't even really see. Right. I just feel like I'm called to it and drawn to it. And I take steps to interact with it and to continue to move me towards it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'd answered your athletic question at all in any of that. So I'm going to come <laughs> back to that now. <laughs> okay. All right. So athletically, right? Last time we talked, it was a whole lot about CrossFit, CrossFit this, CrossFit that. And don't get me wrong, love it. I think it's a great way. I think it's a great fitness tool for people. I just got really tired of going up and down and in and out. (laughs) So many freaking squats I'm going to do that my knees can want to tolerate. And it's just, I love how it's called like functional training, but like, it's super basic. Like if you get really good at three patterns, whether it be like the hip hinge squat, which is a combination of a hip hinge and then a knee bend, and then a push or a press and a pull, like you can be really good at CrossFit. Like real good. (laughs) You can master those like three simple, like plain movements. And I just was like looking at that and like, I'm just kind of tired of it. Tired of doing the, same set of movements, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then I had a friend who's like, hey, why don't you come try yoga? $30 for 30 days. And I'm like, I got $30. I got 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. And went and did some hot yoga. Like I dabbled in yoga during my CrossFit endeavor, but I never like truly got into it. Because mm-hmm. I was like, this is just for sweet old ladies that want to just, do yoga didn't really know the ins and outs of it and so yeah it started that journey and it was just super humbling to stand on a little piece of foam and just be completely drenched um while you're just standing there holding a position where it's like that doesn't look that hard four minutes later you're trying not to quiver and fall and you know it's has been one of the most beautiful and humbling things because 
it's really taught me how to move my body in a way that it's never been used to moving. Like growing up in an athletic background, playing baseball, like I did almost all sports growing up, but then like continuing baseball through college and then getting into CrossFit. Like I was, I was decent. I was pretty good at CrossFit, but like, what, what does that do for me? Mm -hmm. Like it was just, my ego was so driven on moving weight and moving numbers and like squatting 400 pounds or cleaning, whatever. Like I was just like, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. And then realizing like shit doesn't matter. <laughs> like <laughs> it really doesn't. And then I was just like, well, I can move 400 pounds, but what about it? How can I move myself? Mm -hmm. And I, just had this shift where I was like kind of changed my whole thought of what true strength is like I'm always impressed by people putting up you know a couple hundred pounds over their head but then I see people who have just like complete control of their body and how they move and like the fluidity of it and just that has resonated with me on a completely different level of just watching someone be in control of their body the entire time and finding like how much peace is incorporated into that, but how much strength is needed to do that. And it's mm -hmm. just been this kind of beautiful transition of getting out of the ego and like yoga is like learning how to quiet your mind, like overcome the obstacles of the mind. Essentially that's like the definition of yoga. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really been what it's about. Like I can, go play lay my mat out in the middle of wherever I want to do it. And then all of a sudden my mind just starts like chattering, chattering, chattering. The next thing you know, an hour later, I kind of black out and I'm like, Oh, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Ooh, I feel better. Like I needed to do that. And so it's just, it's been a very interesting transition. Yeah. It sounds like, um, with CrossFit, there's, um, the, you had almost, I mean, within within that world of functional movement, there's like a like mastery is a very low ceiling. Like there, like you were talking about, like it's not that hard to master the movements. Like yeah, you have mobility issues, and mm -hmm. you might uh, have like more fitness that you could get, and you can always lift more weight. But at a certain point, it's like mastery is a relatively because it's a, it's it, by its very nature, it's a very simple training modality with a lot of like permutations of it um yeah. but it it is a very it's like mastery it's like at a certain point it's like how how much weight will make you happy <laughs> you know how much how much <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. what level of squat will you be happy with it um whereas um oh. with yoga or um gymnastics there's a very different sense of mastery it's like it's a very aesthetic mastery where you can watch somebody and you're like oh they've they're they're hitting something that i just like i that I, on a level that i don't even know and i know that um we had talked a little bit uh in the past about like uh the mechanics of throwing and the the mobility required but it's also something that i think about often is the ability to move slowly um highlights mastery because if you're able to move slowly through any range of motion um through and, and like when i got really deep into yoga it was understanding that like, the positions are cool like warrior mm -hmm. one to warrior two 
like warrior one and warrior two are very cool positions but yeah moving between the positions and how slowly and with what control and like how you like do you need to lock in or can you gently ease into those positions is a very like understanding like oh there's like you might only do like 12 positions but you might have billions of positions within the transitions yes that's been one of the most humbling things is that like learning going from one thing to the next right mm-hmm. like it's kind of in life like we love to like oh i got to do this 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 and then we just like jump ahead as opposed to kind of enjoying the ride that's in between the positions mm-hmm. and there's so much growth in that in that journey from one to the next like it takes it takes strength it takes courage it takes it takes a willingness to be present and enjoy it because it's it's all you got Mm-hmm. you know so if i'm just like warrior one warrior two did it a reverse did it all these other i don't even know all the names i just do them <laughs> um, like ekapata kanasana or i know that's one i would forget what it is but it's like if i just do the positions like you said it's like yeah those are cool but like true strength is like that slow like i'm gonna do this as slow as i can and like that is like beautiful to watch mm-hmm. so much strength so fun so um so we covered like the, the journeys of your spirituality and your mm-hmm. athletics, but like, where do you feel like you stand now in terms of spirituality and athletics? Like what, like, and, and like with that future orientation, like where do you see yeah. this going? That's, ooh, I like this question. Um, I remember the last video, I was like CrossFit forever. <laughs> <laughs> Ride or die. We're going. Yeah. So it's just kind of funny. Like, three years in the making. I mean, I still coach CrossFit. I still mm-hmm. love to be up in front of people and I still love to inspire. And that's kind of one of the reasons I do my, started to do my seminars as well, because I wanted to get up in front of people. Um, but CrossFit still has a place in my heart. I love helping. I love instructing. I love helping people overcome the mind, um, which kind of feels like an outlet for me to help others in essence, like, Hey, you can do this. Like, you can do this as long as it's between your two ears, you can do this. Um, but that's kind of what yoga has transitioned into for me is like an outlet or just stillness within because it's such a new endeavor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's very new. It's within like the last four months. Um, but it's been this beautiful movement piece that is, then super humbling um but i see myself trying to like ride that for i don't know i feel like i could sustain that much longer than i can a crossfit life Mm -hmm. i guess you could say um i mean don't get me wrong the master athletes in crossfit those are super fit individuals it's just not for me like Mm -hmm. closing in on 30 and i'm like I mean, rated it's just a stupid number, but like, you know, it's, I'm looking for more longevity and I'm like, if I continue to do just these same patterns, what does that do for me? As opposed to like me putting my body in positions that it's definitely not accustomed to being in. It's like me being in many situations in life because the situations that unfold itself as we continue to walk this journey are never going to be the same as the ones that you've already endured. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter how you look at it, like we will never be sitting, you will never be sitting 
that microphone with this background behind you, this tapestry, and I'll never be sitting here at this table again at this very moment. Like we could recreate it all we want to, but it will never be the exact same, right? So it's the exact same way I feel about moving. It's, I can only do so many damn air squats or so many thrusters or whatnot, but I, but learning how to twist and turn and invert in all different ways and shapes, it's, it's continual growth. It's putting oh, my body in ways it's not used to moving. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, experimented yet with acro yoga? I have on occasions. It's been a few occasions I have, and that's an interesting. We did that at Okeechobee. Yeah. We played around with that a little bit at Okeechobee. Uh, but I've done a few occasions since then, and that is like a whole different world. Right, mm-hmm. like you holding up somebody else or them holding you up, and you're completely reliant on the other person to act in tandem. Um, and that is no, I haven't dove into that one yet, but I think we'll we'll start we'll start there. I need to do that. That's the good. Yeah, just uh, like we were talking about earlier, like it's easy to be spiritual in a cave, but go yeah. if you want to really practice it, go and uh, spend a week with your family. I think yeah. it's also interesting to have a spiritual practice or like a yoga practice on your own. But then mm-hmm. when you add the uh, the weird element of the relationship with another person and like all that, uh, that like kind of steps it up into a, a whole different ballgame. I would have to agree. I mean, on the occasions I've done it, it is you have to be like, all right, this is what we're doing. We're in it. And as soon as the thought comes, it's kind of like slacklining. Like as soon as the thought comes, <laughs> you know, I think I'll throw you in a quick second. So yeah, I, I like that. I could do some of that. All right. And now let's talk about uh, you spiritually. Where do you see yourself going with this? What, what are like, what is your practice now of spirituality? Uh, my spiritual practice now consists a lot of just focusing on what is and letting go of what was like, it's a continual daily thing of like waking up and it's, it's this, uh, another great reference from a Michael singer. It's like you go to sleep at night and you do this miraculous thing where you just, your body like, just like we go to sleep, right? (laughs) Your consciousness is still there. But then all of a sudden this thing, if you're fortunate enough, you wake up and it's like, Hey, I'm back. Like, whoo, made it. You know, it's like, there's no guarantee through that. There's no guarantee. Like the next step in life, we love to say like, Hey, I'll see you tomorrow. But that is not guaranteed anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, and just, I guess my, no, there goes that word again. I guess that ain't happening. Uh, my spiritual practice has really come into play of just savoring every moment, like just being totally present, totally open, totally vulnerable and taking the mask off and just being involved in the moment. I do this. I, I love to hug people. Like I'm a freaking hugger. Love it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's always interesting when you meet others that aren't, especially when you want to do a heart to heart hug, which is, what I go for. Um, Cause I feel like it's a direct connection with the other as opposed to like liver to liver or throw on your right side. It's just, it's a weird thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when you go heart to heart, it's this, it feels like a more genuine, beautiful connection, especially when it's, it's awkward because people don't hug that way. It's interesting. Um, I had a friend who 
was watching these children hug and they seemed to go more heart to heart. And then it got me questioning, like, as we grow up, we get older, we disassociate, we wear the mask. I often wondered, do we dislearn how to interact and engage? And as opposed to being open and vulnerable and letting my heart touch yours, we just like, man, I'm only going to let you in so close so you can give my liver some love and then we're done, right? So it's, it's a daily thing. It's learning to let go of the things that don't matter, like we had talked about a little bit earlier. It's when it's done in the physical, it should be, it should be done in the mental as opposed to letting it fester. And we can get into some deep, dark places when we continue to allow things to live on within us as opposed to being like, okay, that was nice. That was good. I'm going to learn a lot from that. Holy cow. Uh, and then we're moving forward, right? Cause there's continual growth. It's this continuum of us, this ever present moment that is unfolding. And it's kind of beautiful to look at from that sense and not really knowing what's around the corner, but looking forward to it because you know, it's supposed to be as it is. Do you see yourself um, in the future returning to Christianity? Uh, that, ooh, I like this. Um, straight up answer, no. Because I feel like all religions are essentially saying the same thing. In essence, like at the base level, it's like higher power, God, source, whatever you want to call it. And then it's like this series of like how to get here. Right. It's like a roadmap of instructions, whether it be the Ten Commandments or like Buddhism, which is it's all founded on the same thing. Right. It's all mm -hmm. different roads that just happen to lead you to the same house. Right. And that's how I like to view it. And that's how I like to see it. And I don't like to put a label on, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a Buddhist. I'm a Hindu. I'm this because that's like ego. That is me separating myself from another through a label mm -hmm. of like, Oh, I'm a crossfitter. Or I'm a yogi or I'm a, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Well, that's just like creating a divide, a separation, or right, here's a really good one. Uh, race, like that creates a huge divide just because we love to associate. I am this, I am this when all in reality, we're all the same. Like mm -hmm. we're made of the same stuff. So it's, it just happens to be like, the external looks a little bit different, but internally we've seen the internal. It looks the exact same. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> you got one heart and that's like, and you got one brain, like that's it. Composed the same basic material. Like, so. Yeah. It's uh, I guess the reason why I asked this is because um, like I have some familiarity of the types of communities that you mm -hmm. have that you that you're familiar that you've like really engaged with yeah. and um with a lot of these types with, with and and again i'm i'm this is wild speculation time right mm -hmm. <laughs> so um there is a tendency to have transformational experiences and spiritual experiences but not um but that lack and and this is maybe the the divides that you're talking about, but the there's a lack of community on a deeper level, like a real like, mm -hmm. and and so like yes, you might have uh, within yourself a spiritual experience within um, within ecstatic dance, right? Mm -hmm. But is that the same thing as a true uh, spiritual like 
experience with a community and um like i'm I'm sort of extrapolating out like how would you how would you transfer this sort of a, a, a spiritual experience to like a child or somebody that you're raising and and it's and the the presence is amazing it's excellent but like there's a there's a level of community and and um greater organizational um you know presence that mm-hmm. happens within religion and and i guess the reason why i'm bringing this up is because i'm i'm coming to the conclusion that i would like to find a religion that i can really participate in and 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 finding like a greater organization with which that i'm like okay these are people they're cool this is an organization this is cool the way we worship is cool let's let me buy into this for the the very consideration of like how will i like in where in what container do i want to start my child in all right that was a beautifully worded question so let's see if we can <laughs> let's see if we can shed a little light on this all right um no i i i think community whether it be within religion, spirituality, CrossFit for the common good is a beautiful thing, right? Like people coming together. Now you have your extremes like cults and all this other things where it gets weird. (laughs) We probably don't need to go to those extremes, but I think, I think religion in general, if it brings you a sense of peace, right? Like Mm -hmm. if it can bring you a sense of peace and you understand that like there is a bigger calling and bigger source and a greater purpose for you being here and that's what you find with religion then by all means i think and if you find it's right for you then then it can be right for you um but do i think it is an end-all be-all to someone's happiness i don't i don't know you know i i think community is a very 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 important piece right because if i'm able to share and be open and be vulnerable about my thoughts, my feelings, um, the things that happen and just be amongst others who just love and are there for kind of a common reason, then I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, in relation to what you're saying. Oh, yeah. And I guess, uh, the next question would be, where is your community? Like, where's your spiritual community? Being in Panama City, I'm still working on finding it. I've got, actually, I've had a, I've have a few friends in uh, the battleship community that see things like I do, and we have great interactions, great talks, and it's much deeper than, uh, hey, how are you? Superficial, good, okay, bye, all right, how's the weather? All this like very superficial, egocentric, driven conversation, as opposed to. Like, tell me how you really are. Like, I want to ask you, I was like, how are you? Like, I really want to genuinely know what is going on in your life. How are you doing? And taking a chance to actually have a deep conversation with somebody and like find out what they enjoy, what, what makes them who they are. And so I'm still finding that in Panama City. <laughs> um, but in Gainesville, I had never experienced anything like it. It was incredible. Um, I had a group that I was like out of the temple of the universe. It was just this beautiful, beautiful array of like light people. And I don't mean light in the sense of like skin color or anything like that, but like just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, 
just the energy they brought was very light and vibrant and loving. And I had never experienced anything to that extent where everyone, regardless of what your past was, because honestly, it doesn't matter because it doesn't really affect who you are now. It led you to this point, but it's not who you are. Um, and to be amongst others that saw it that way. And then to have an ecstatic dance community that some of them were at the temple and then to be able to dance and share, because there's a part of ecstatic dance called like contact improv where it's, you're dancing with others, but it's not in a sexual form. It just happens to be like, I'm dancing, I'm doing my own dance. Eugene, you, you're doing your own dance. We just happen to dance together for a second. You can use this for any friendship in life. Like we dance for a second, we dance together for a second, and then we kind of part ways and do our own dance. Like you're gonna have others that come in and dance with you all throughout life, but you're continually doing your own dance. Um, but to be amongst a community that loved to do that and loved to share and to shake it a little bit, it was awesome, you know? Like, mm -hmm. So I think community is very important, but I think in finding that community, you have to test the waters and see what works for you. You know, like you may say, I like this about Christianity or this, this, and this, but it's just like, I've been to some churches where it's, it feels forced and that just doesn't sit well with me. Mm -hmm. Like I'll still go to church every now and then with my parents, because I think the messages are all the same. Like in essence, it's trying to bring you to, to God, to make you have a closer relationship to God. So the messages they're all relatively the same. It's just sometimes the delivery of how to get there feels forced and it doesn't feel natural. So I think in finding a community, finding a place you feel comfortable taking your, your newborn and immensing him in that, I think it's great because it can lead to a good sense of like foundational qualities. Um, but I mean, in essence, the child's going to make his own decision in time but you know but being just putting them in a community-based setting or background can definitely help i think bring them up in a more loving environment mm -hmm. yeah i like the idea of like uh you can you can run away from the village and find something else but if you never had a village to start with what are you like where, where are you running yeah. Oh, that's a, <laughs> you just, I guess it, I mean, that is, Ooh, I would like to have, yeah, you need a village, I think, to start out in. And I think that's very important in, in how we grow. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you can think back to certain qualities that your parents possess and tried to instill in you. Same with mine. And I'm like, Oh, I like that. I like that. That ain't it. Mm -mm, I don't like that one. And this one, I'm going to keep those, right? Those I'm going to hang on to. But the other ones, I'm like, meh, get that out. Don't need that. Definitely doing that one, but I love that one. So I think, <laughs> it, yeah, you know, it, it, gives us, it gives a foundation. Mm -hmm. like it lays a very good foundation, qualities that you hope your child possesses. And then all you can do is cultivate that, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I expect my kid to 
not like a lot of the things I put him through. So it's like, well, that's fine. If he picks up a couple percentage points, I'm I'm yeah. totally cool with that. I'm expecting a, a, a ninja, like rock crawl and like little ninja things all in his room. Like he's just all over the place. Oh yeah, it's already Mackenzie's mama bear instincts are, are, are <laughs> sirening pretty hard. <laughs> So we covered, I think, a lot of good ground with this I am um, between your athletics and your spirituality. Um, wow, that was are one you question. Ready? Huh? I said, wow, that was one question. That was. It was, it was good. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to hit on the I am before we move on to before I die? I won't. Uh, nothing really comes to mind. Um, I think I exalted all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels good. Like, I mean having community to share and to talk with i think is huge uh and i think we all should find others that we vibe with um that we're drawn to and we enjoy being around and enjoy sharing with i mm-hmm. think that's very important for for growth and i think you should find others that challenge you in the best way possible to lead you to growth it may be uncomfortable at times but in essence that un comfortableness is essentially drawing you to something greater that being growth so how do you finish the next prompt before i die i want before i die this has been something i've recently been thinking about i remember in the last one i said want to help from like one to a million people i got to thinking about that it's like, that's kind of a broad range, not really much direction. <laughs> it's just like a blanket. Like, I don't really know. And I probably started off that answer with, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I would, in essence, thinking about that, I would like to affect a million people, not just one. I would love to have a positive influence on a million people. And I have been dabbling with this analogy here lately. Um, like I love PT. I love helping people. I love helping them move, but I like moving them internally, creating a movement internally within mm-hmm. more so than the physical movement itself. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because in essence, one can lead to another, but I love the, inward movement we can i can create and i can help facilitate through words through experiences um so i would love to help a million people and i was thinking about this like if i could drop one pebble into a calm pond like me helping one person boop, little it makes a wave eventually mm-hmm. that wave dies out and it's back to a still pond but if i can conglomerate 50, 100, 1,000 people, 1,000 little rocks, and I drop that all in at once, that's a much bigger wave, and it's spreading much further, Mm -hmm. affecting more individuals than just that one little boop. Um, So that's where I have shifted a little bit of my focus, and that's why I think I'm so drawn to teaching, is because through words, and through past experience I've learned from, I feel like I can make a much greater change and help more people 
and maybe shed some light on some difficult situations that they don't think they're able to endure um, and create a, you know, essentially a, a better world than what's going on right now. So you mentioned earlier that, um, and I forget if this was before or during the interview of you're on this path, you're learning all these things and you're sort of preparing for something you don't really know what, um, do you have any idea of how you will affect in what way will you interact and affect those million people? Yes. I, it's kind of funny, like looking back on certain fears I had, for instance, I used to be terrified, like just clam up and like uh, being in front of people and public speaking. I can remember one of my first CrossFit classes I ever coached and I'm standing up there and you got like, I think 30 people or like, it looked like a hundred people, but it might've been like, 15 I don't know <laughs> like there was just so many eyes looking at me and I'm just like uh, like trying to make words but nothing really is coming out it was hard for me to find my voice and instruct and lead and be present because I was concerned with all these what everybody was thinking um mm. and after going through that and like stepping through that fear it was like oh, okay this is this is kind of fun you know and then like after doing it and doing it and becoming more comfortable and more comfortable and kind of going into flow state with it, it's led to further teachings. Like when I was in Costa Rica at this yoga retreat, I had general ideas of the topics I wanted to teach. Talked about fear and mindfulness. And those were the two, honestly, the two topics I was most excited about talking about um, because they were the most real to me. And I think they held the most weight. Um, but that is how I would like to affect a million people. Like I would love to be able to share my past experiences, whether it be through a book. Um, I had an old friend's like, have you wrote a book yet? Cause we were talking about this and they were like, da, da, da. and I was like, I know you've wrote a couple. Um, so it's just, whether it be through, it'd be through some type of expression, whether it be words like, at a seminar, on a stage, talking, sharing, being open and totally vulnerable, or whether it be through pages in a book, laying out this story, either one. But in essence, I think they coincide together. I think they are both on the path that I am on. Um, so yeah, that's how I envision it going. Gotcha. It's uh. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, check in in a couple of years and see what's, uh, what's shaken out. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, we honestly have no idea, but it's events are going to present themselves. And by acting out of courage and faith, like we talked about a little bit before the interview, it's ultimately, it's going to lead you to exactly where you need to, to, to do and to be and to listen to your heart, I think is one of the, the, the biggest biggest and most challenging things we can do um i'll share this when i when i got home like from costa rica i'm freaking vibing high like feeling really good time of my life sharing talking and i get home i'm like man i love pt i'm gonna graduate or just graduated i'm gonna take my boards i want to share i want to talk i want to teach and 
I had a conversation with my parents and they're like, what, what do you mean? Like, no, you're, you're going to be a PT. And I was just like, well, yeah, I'm going to practice and help people that way. But I, my, where I feel most drawn is to talk and to share. And it just went over like a turd in a punch bowl. Like, just, <laughs> you know, they're like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, and I can understand it from, I guess, their point of view of like, you've spent the last three years and all of a sudden you want to just talk to people. Well, be a little bit more than that. But in essence, yeah, I want to be able to share my story and help those along the way physically, but also mentally and spiritually, because I think you can't heal one without the other. In essence, like, oh, we can fix mm-hmm. these physical ailments. But if the internal is still just poop, then it's just going to redisplay itself and come back up and surface. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to, the internal has to be relinquished or set to ease or dealt with, however you want to word it, before the external can truly heal itself. That being, as you always say, and how I always say now, from you, the meat suit. (laughs) (laughs) Love that phrase, because it's so true. It's just this physical, nah. (laughs) You know, it just happens to carry me from point A to point B and let me do some pretty cool things along the way. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, as you were telling me about the seminars that you're running, I was identifying in me just like a deep uh, jealousy of like, oh, I wish I could be doing that right now. Um, Like, uh, you know, you knew me when I was coaching, uh, Mm -hmm. like towards the tail end of my coaching life, my at least this, that iteration of it. And I was just like, oh, I still love it. But it's just like, but there are other responsibilities that I must have. And it's, uh, it seems like I was, I was, you know, in front of a bunch of people. And then now I have this, I have to like practice the one-on-one and really being able to affect that one person in front of me. Um, and I don't know when I'll be able to get back out in front of people again, you know, it might be another, like, it might be, uh, when I'm in my mid thirties, late thirties before I'm able to really do it. But, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just jealous that you're able to start now, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a cool journey. And, uh, and well, what's beautiful is, I mean, I mean, we could have a seminar together. Like there's mm-hmm. no, like, there's no telling what could grow. Mm-hmm. from this conversation right now like just mm-hmm. putting that into motion like that's all i've been doing or not all i've been doing i've been studying but i did host a seminar which i had like i think 10 people came which was like beautiful i wasn't mm-hmm. expecting 100 but 10 laid a foundation i got some feedback like boom but who's to know where it can lead i mean we could be having a seminar in 5 years about god knows what fear mindfulness <laughs> um just all kind of things like and i think that's something we should dabble into mm-hmm. and look into as we continue to grow and continue to move forward because there is honestly no telling there's no limit to what we can do i um i, I made this reference it's like we often say sky's the limit right it's like and i can go wherever i want like high as you want to but we love to so sky is truly the limit, right? But if, say, your roof that you're sitting under right now is like, what if that was as high as you could go, right? If that was as high as you could go, 
wouldn't you want to be at the very top of that? Like you'd want to be stuck to the ceiling, right? That's my, that's as high as I can go going right there to meet it. Boom. But what we love to do, there is no limit, but I'm still going to leave myself right here at this level Mm -hmm. as opposed to being like, there's so much more. It's, It's kind of where fear comes into play. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, this is scary. I don't like it. I don't like being in front of people. <laughs> I think, I think there's a lot of growth, like so much growth that can come. If you just simply like, you know, start maybe peek behind the little curtain you hung up in your, your mental concept of what's scary and be like, oh, that's beautiful there. Maybe we'll just stick a toe in and start watching it unfold. And start watching growth that can come from it. And um, you mentioned, uh, you know, in the warm-up questions, the the wackiness that led to you getting to the yoga retreat. And you just mentioned um, some of the stuff that was, you know, coming off of the, the emotional high of the yoga retreat. We didn't talk a whole lot about the yoga retreat. And I remember one of the things that you had mentioned in the previous interview was that you wanted to travel internationally. And I think that this was the first time, right? So uh, what was it like being somewhere that is not in the United States of America? Oh, man, I loved Costa Rica. I was on like an all vegan diet for the week, which that was a whole event in itself. Um, (laughs) But it was awesome. Like, I'm like, oh, I can eat vegan. But man, I thought I was going to turn into a plantain. And I (laughs) love them. They're so good. (laughs) Man, it was such an interesting experience. I know, like, we think we have bad drivers here, but holy cow, I've never seen anything like we're they're running three deep on a two lane road, like one person's passing another who's passing another. And I was just like, oh, this is sketchy. Um, but it was I mean. It was so interesting. One of their like mottos they live by is like pure Vita, which means like all his life, all is pure, like love. Um, and it's, it was just like, everyone was, everyone I interacted with was just happy, smiling, like, this is it. Like, this is life. Like, enjoy this moment because I don't know if we'll ever get it back. And in essence, we won't. But it was just a beautiful, a beautiful place. Um, did have a scare the very first day I was there. We went out into the ocean. We were on the Pacific side. And that, it got a little hairy out there. A little rip, <laughs> a little riptide pulled four of us out. and. Um, one of our friends got pulled way out and we had the only other uh, male that was there uh, was happened to be like a triathlete and like great swimmer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, all right. He happened to swim out there and get our, get our friend and we all made it back, but it got super, it, I mean, it got a little scary. Um, but other than that moment, um, it was so beautiful, like just to wake up and we did um, a silent, a silent morning. Uh, so like silent meditation, some journaling. And then we had a, an AM yoga session or yoga teaching or just a teaching. Um, as soon as we get done with that, it was lunch, like all the meals were cooked, like everything was served. All I had to do was wake up and put pants on. <laughs> and it was awesome. Like that was all my job was to do is wake up, put pants on, and then talk and convey themes. 
um, whether it be about you know the muscular system or uh, the cardiovascular system or the pulmonary system. Um, you know, I got to do in essence what like truly wanted to do during that week down there. Um, and it was like, it was beautiful. Like I, I really have no other words to describe it besides just this beautiful culmination of things that worked out divinely. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm struck by the uh, like the vacation vibe that it seems like it was um, with that sobering moment of like, oh, wow, we could have lost a lot. Like things could have been really bad. And um, yeah, uh, like looking back on it now, um, how does that sit with you? In that moment, it, you know, I think it put a lot of it for us into perspective of like, you know, we're here, we're excited. It's all like, everything's great. But in that moment, it was like, we almost lost someone. Um, So it was very sobering and bringing us back to like being truly thankful for just even, just even being there in general. Mm -hmm. Like the individual that was pulled out was like coughing up water. And like, I mean, it got a little hairy, Um, but it was a very sobering moment for all of us that were involved um because we didn't really know what was going to happen like we were all kind of struck in between waves like we'd see each other a split second and then next thing you know i mean these were pretty big waves um but we'd you'd catch a glimpse of each other then they were gone and then you would get pummeled by a wave and then we were like oh my god are they still there and then they were gone and then you know have us to have us all be able to walk out of that situation was um a beautiful and humbling experience because i mean did that happen uh and towards the beginning or the end of the trip day one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the evening of day one it was just like um but it's like we love to think we have control and we're like these powerful beings but then when you're up against something that's so much greater than you like a wave or the ocean it's just like like yeah it's very it's very humbling to be overpowered in such a way that you're not necessarily used to on a daily basis Mm -hmm. right to just be at the mercy of the ocean and the ocean does not even start to care about no no it's not gonna let up it's just there and it just is and you just happen to be in its way and it's going to do what it does and to have that to have something exert that much power and that much force to where it could have ended like boom like that is a very sobering kind of like okay Let's not do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe with a light vest or a surfboard, but not without either of those. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was um, a very interesting way to start off the week. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. (laughs) And um, something else that we had talked about on the previous interview was... um, 
was, you know, it was like family question mark and um, you finding your true love and passion. And oh, that's a, yeah. <laughs> right. Like where, where's, where's this uh, going? Where's this ending up? Oh man. And I think this is, I knew this was going to come and I love that it did. <laughs> um, no, because it's just fun to, to hear myself and like put myself back into, I can't really put myself back into that mindset but I could hear myself from the last interview and I can think back to where I was and be like, Oh yeah, well I thought I knew where I was or where I was going or what I was doing. But through the growth, it's like at that time I, I was looking for love. I was yearning for an external source of love. Like somebody was going to come into my life and just show up like knock, knock. Hey, I'm here. Love me. Like, you know, it's like uh, Amazon is going to deliver a person and I'm, they're going to love me, right? I ordered it, two-day shipping free. <laughs> you can come in anytime you want. Like, just walk on in when you get here. And that that stuck with me for a while. Um, but in going through the growth and, you know, being truly present and learning to, like, truly love myself, that's what love is. It's like, it's loving yourself and then loving others regardless of what they have going on or who they are and that's that's the essence of true love and i think in loving yourself and and displaying love through all interactions of life love is going to be brought back to you you know it's the law of attraction like attracts like if if i exuberate love in all that i do and it's seen and portrayed then that's what's going to be brought back to me and if it's through another person, then that will work out as it should. And that will work out in time. But I'm not looking for another individual to complete me. Because I am whole. I am, I am, I love myself. I don't need another to come in and make this half a person and a half a person make a whole person. I don't need that. I don't, mm -hmm. that's not, it's not how it should be. It's two whole people who just happen to, dance together we can use the ecstatic dance reference <laughs> mm -hmm. that have a general like a, a heading and a purpose and that are able to share and to grow and to love and to move forward with each other as opposed to two unfinished forces coming together to try and make a whole one and then it just be this thing <laughs> that's all i got <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I, it's sort of like uh you want to grow with somebody, but you don't want to fix somebody. Like you don't yeah. want to, yeah. Yeah. And to grow uh, with is, yeah. Yeah, so like, uh, I think that's great that this journey that you've been on and of, of self-love and acceptance, um, how does that translate into a family question mark? Into my family? Yeah, into building oh. a family. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's been interesting being home because uh, at the root level, I am, I had a, always had kind of an interesting relationship with my family. Um, mm -hmm. Not, 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 not always. Um, but it, it's, it's, sometimes it was hard to bond and connect and just because I saw things a little bit differently, but um, since I've been home, it's been beautiful to actually establish and continue to establish a relationship with my mother and father. Like, mm -hmm. And actually have like conversations and not just be like, hey, do this, or you should do this, or I don't <laughs> like that you're doing that. 
Um, so it was kind of like what we talked about earlier. It's transitioning from that father role to father and mother to like, Hey friend, we can talk about some shit. Mm -hmm. Um, so that has been kind of a beautiful thing that has been going on in this environment. Um, but as for me cultivating a family, I think that will all work itself out in time. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't have any babies on the way that I know of. (laughs) (laughs) So I just think it's, I mean, I'm in no rush. I, um, my path is different from your path is different from everyone else. And I think Mm -hmm. that when the time is right, if the stars align as they would, and I'm able to be with someone who can bear a child, then I would love to have one, two, three rug rats, you know, running around. Um, and then hope to lead them in a way that they are able to make their own decisions based off what they think is best. Mm-hmm. Um, and to grow into these, you know, beautiful little people. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, is there anything else that you want before you die? Hmm. It's interesting. I've, I've rec- one of my friends challenged me to make a, a vision board and yeah there are other things i would love to experience before i die um one of which is to experience uh this is just for fun actually uh to go to a slackline festival out in like utah <laughs> sounds nice i know right do some highlining out there um but i mean if i can help and share and spread what's on my heart and do that in a way that I feel is pure and genuine, then I think that is what I'm here to do. And all the other stuff doesn't really, doesn't really matter. Um, now I'm sure there's going to be other things I get to experience along the way. Some of them are going to be awesome. Um, and essentially every moment will be great. Will there be tough times where it causes me to learn some things? Yeah. And I think those are beautiful in itself too. Um, but does anything have to happen for me to be happy? No. Do I look forward to maybe jumping out of an airplane again? That would be dope. But like, <laughs> I don't have to do anything or nothing really has to happen for me to feel gratified or have a sense of worth. Um, but just to know that like I did what I was felt like I was called to do. I feel like that is why that's all that needs to happen. Good stuff. How do you finish the next prompt? When I die, I want. When I die, I want. I know I said in the last one, I wanted to be cremated, which I don't. That's not really how I see it anymore. I had seen this thing where they can make like a little pod and they put a tree seed in it. Mm-hmm. And they put your body in like this sack pod, whatever you want to call it with a, a seedling. And essentially you would just kind of grow into the tree and be kind of one with the tree and the earth and kind of this natural organic process as opposed to being boxed up and tombstone this date dash to this date. And that whole construct doesn't sit well with me. Cause it's like, it's like a beginning and an end. Like, that's it. 
and the dash is supposed to represent every your whole life and i don't know it just being put in a box in the ground doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun like <laughs> you know i would love to be i had this idea actually earlier today instead of having like a graveyard full of graves why don't we have like people were put into trees and create a park and it mm. would just be all those trees that have that, that have essentially a person in them and it would just be a park full of past lives that are beautiful trees but it would be kind of a memorial place where you could go and enjoy and you know be a part of something else i dig it i like it um first question do you know what if if you are gonna go with this tree pot idea do you know mm -hmm. what kind of tree you'd want to be associated with i really like the oak tree they're just big and broad and vast and they cover their limbs are just they're beautiful man they're they just they hang around they for like those like florida years. live oaks yeah like hundreds of years old just just been here chilling you know, just beautiful. And that would be the tree. Nice. And then the second thing is, is that burial is something that would happen after you die. Yeah. But what about that? Oh, at when I die. Yeah, when, like. Hmm. Okay. Well, you mean like, how do I want to go? Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right, well. Because you got kind of close, right? With the with that, with that. the waves and everything. Yeah. That is not how we want to go. Holy <laughs> cow, that is not it. Um, no, how I would like to go is to go out. Um, hmm. That is a good question. It would be... I'd want it to be... I wanted to be peaceful. I would want it to be with my family, with my friends, and not like in a hospital setting where it's like things are just really kind of grim and, you know, um, heavy. I would like it to be in a house and like my home and have everyone gathered around and be peaceful, have some music playing, um, and just expel my last breath with the ones I love. I think that would be the best way to go as opposed to being traumatic or hooked up to um, any type of machine that had to keep me alive. So I got some questions for you. First question is, do you think that you could have found peace while dying in the waves off of Costa Rica? Do I think I could have found peace? Well, I know I was peaceful when I went into the ocean. <laughs> um, that is a good question. I mean, in first initial knee-jerk reaction would be yes. In that I had such a transient spiritual experience over the last few months, I've Feel like i'm in a much better place and if i were to go like so be it right i feel like mm -hmm. i'm where i should be and 
now do I think my time is done? I don't think it's truly finished. Um, but we don't really know what lies ahead on this road. Um, so would I be at peace with it? I think so because of the growth and the lessons I have learned and the lessons I have been able to just to share with those since I have learned, I think has helped others see things differently. Is that the million people I would love to affect? No. But is it a good start that potentially could grow in 10, 15, whoever knows how long it takes? You know, that one person helps one person, helps one person, helps one person, boom, 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 boom. That's, that could lead to a million people. And um, I guess the reason why I'm going down this line of questioning is um, I interviewed somebody else, Jared Roa, and he had a very similar experience while surfing and he uh, basically died. Uh, he drowned, he was tumbled in the washing machine and, and really was like, uh, he should have died. And uh, somebody pulled him out and um, he had a moment of acceptance during that experience where he was just like, I can't see any light. It is dark. The mm. surface is so far away. And so he found a moment of acceptance. And I'm wondering, um, do you think if things had gotten hairier, if like at what point in that experience could you have found that peace? Because it sounds like it's like it would have found peace. But like, mm -hmm. it, you know, like at what level of like, this is bad, uh, like fighting is not going to help me. Do you, can you imagine that level in that experience? I think that would just be complete surrender of like, this is, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because mm -hmm. innately it's like, I'm going to fight. If I'm put like you're back into a corner, mm -hmm. like bitch, we're going to fight. Like, you know, like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like exactly. But in that, in that moment, like I was fighting. Mm-hmm. For my life. I think like, it was it was a good idea to fight yeah, like, I'm getting back to the freaking shore like we are going like mm. like I, that was number like we we're come on guys we're we're, we're going this way like mm. it was we had to fight and it was there was no other thought in that moment besides fighting to get back to shore now mm. for the one who had a little bit rougher go at it that would, I mean, I think that individual was borderline acceptance. Mm. Now, if it was the other way around and I was in that situation, do I think I could have accepted it? I, I mean, I would have had to have, right? Like, <laughs> you don't really have a choice. In, yeah, you don't really have a choice in that in that moment. But would it have found peace and clarity or yeah i think i, I think i totally think so okay. thanks for drilling down to that with me yeah oh anyway anytime <laughs> mm -hmm. so now you have this vision of a peaceful death with mm -hmm. friends and family nearby mm -hmm. um in a home um is there has there been a death that that resonates strongly with or that you almost counter that where you're like you you saw the death in the hospital and you're like i do not want that i want this something else that is very different from that yes uh when i was 12 my grandpa passed away and 
I had another one pass away in the last year. Um, but when I was 12, it was like just being in the hospital, like they wouldn't even really let me see them. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't want it to ever be that way. Like, I don't want it to come to the point where it's like so debilitating that I'm not myself. Mm-hmm. Where I've lost who I am. Uh, or who I've, I've lost a sense of self with a big S, not a little S. Mm-hmm. As in... Hmm. No, I I enjoy it. No, I I I think this is a good thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. I see the struggle in you, and I like it. It's so. Here's <laughs> my question: Is um that sounds like a very formative experience? And having been in the hospital, you kind of understand really like more on the background, like what is that kind of experience like? Mm-hmm. And you don't want that. Now, what happens when you see if you were to see yourself going in that direction? I like that question too. <laughs> uh, I know for a fact, like working in some of the settings I have been in, like I was in an LTAC in Tallahassee for 12 weeks. And, and that or, stands for? No, long-term acute care center, mm-hmm. long-term acute care. So it's um, essentially all the people who are in the hospital who are super sick, who just can't stay there anymore, go to this setting and they're still extremely sick. Um, there's an ICU unit and, it's not a very chipper, positive, exciting place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tried to make it as exciting and as positive as I could because if, if I'm not going to do it, who else is going to do it, right? Like if I can't, one of my therapeutic goals during that setting was just to get a laugh out of my patients mm-hmm. because they're going through some of the shittiest times of their life. And if I could just shed a little light and help, somebody like bring a smile to their face like that's a freaking win like just to have them like okay you see it's still in there like it's not all poopy right now there's still some light um but being in that setting and having i think like six or seven people had passed away while i was there that i knew and like having those pass when family wasn't there, when nobody's around and just, Mm -hmm. I, 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 that was a hard thing for me to accept and to grasp. And it was a hard thing to, to deal with and not take home with you. Um, because I was, you know, I'd gotten attached to not attached, but I had interactions and, you know, shared moments with these individuals and then to have them to go with nobody there was like a really heavy something I don't feel like anyone should have to experience right to have someone just to sit by your side or to grab someone's hand just to have somebody's hand to hold like that last second and to know it's going to be okay as opposed to you going down that road all on your own in a hospital you're not accustomed to hooked up to god knows what like it just doesn't sound peaceful to me Can you, could, can you imagine a way to find peace in that setting? I mean, I think if my family was there and 
lot of ifs, a lot of depending on other people, right? Well, I mean, the only reason I would want my family there is just Mm -hmm. to let them know everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be reliant on them for me to find peace because Mm -hmm. I know that essentially we're all going to perish or pass away. Our physical Mm -hmm. body will. I know that. Um, But it wouldn't be for a sense of me finding peace and comfort because I know that life is going to go on whether I'm sitting at this table talking to you or not. Like that's just, it's always there. It's always changing. Things are always changing. Um, But life is going to continue on, but it would be more of a sense of comforting those that I love and be like, look, yeah, I'm not going to be here tomorrow, but the love and the memories and everything we experience that will continue to live on within you. And I want you to remember that and hang on to that. And until we meet again. So last time we talked, I offered you a very difficult question of, uh, would you rather have uh, your children or a, uh, a partner to go grow old with? And now I want to offer you a very similar difficult choice. Would you rather have uh, be able to find peace in your passing or be able to offer that comfort to others? I think, in essence, those two go together. Like, I think in doing one, the other is going to, to happen, right? Like, if, if I find peace and my family knows that I'm at peace with passing, mm-hmm. then I think that would bring them peace. As opposed to me struggling or whatever it may be, just being uneasy with it. I think if I were to find peace and they, and they could obviously see that, then I think that would be much easier on them. And now from my point of view, if I know that they were at peace, it would make me feel at peace. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I guess, um, I guess the situation that I'm imagining is, um, one or the other. Yeah. Or more like, um, so if you were the person further away in the ocean mm. and you were able to accept your death and really be at peace with that, with like, ocean's got me i i can't it's got a big bear hug on me i can't get away and you were to find peace in that moment and die mm-hmm. and but also understand that your family will be destroyed by this you you, you know you dying right after you graduate um and then I'm, I'm struggling to find while i'm talking an example of being able to offer comfort to your family but you not finding peace and i imagine that being a very painful death maybe uh, one in which you are, you know, suffering greatly, and you're in great pain, but in, you're extending your life to great lengths so that your whole family can arrive and you can talk to them. You know, like I'm trying, I'm struggling to find that kind of an opposite, like but, a terminally, terminally ill type cancer or something. That's something. Yeah, that you know the you know the end is near, and you're suffering greatly, waiting mm-hmm. for that so that you can offer that comfort to others. Hmm. Yeah, those are two extremes. Um, (laughs) But that's why we're doing this, right? We're doing this conversation to dive into things that people don't normally talk about on a daily basis. So I think it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, If it, me on my deathbed, I would, I would hang on and try and bring comfort to, to them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me. 
Um, Even attached to machines? I wouldn't want to be, but mm -hmm. just to know that I was able to see my family one last time mm -hmm. and to give them the reassurance like, hey, look, yeah, this sucks. Or not really sucks, but it's part of life. Like it's going to happen. But to just provide them with a sense of peace and to let them know everything's going to be all right, as opposed to just being gone. Like I left for vacation and never came home and all them having, all they can do is question why, why, why. Mm -hmm. I think that would, that would be more devastating than not being able to bring them comfort. Mm. Yeah. It's fair. We really drilled down there. Like, yeah, that was good. I like that. <laughs> so uh, I think now we're now now is the time. Uh, how do you finish the next prompt after I die? I want. I think I dove into this a little earlier, mm -hmm. um, but I would like to essentially be buried as in with the trees, and you know, have a a beautiful. I'm drawn to the live oak just because they're so vast and how big and. Mm -hmm. The way they branch is so beautiful. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like our uh, bronchial tree. If you just flip it over, it's like mm -hmm. just this, uh, this this elaboration of limbs and just the sheer area they cover. And it's mm -hmm. like, man, I could be a part of something bigger in essence. Mm -hmm. And to be put back to like where we essentially came from, if you think about it, like we're just protons neutrons and electrons or stardust as some people say that just happened to just boom meat suit um because we're all going to die like it's inevitable um but to be put in a box and tucked away next to some people i don't know <laughs> like man that ain't for me um i would love to be a tree or be buried amongst a tree and then have like maybe a park bench with the tree and say like in memory of or dedicated to or something just you don't even have to have a dang name on it like just to have a park bench there so people can sit down and then i could essentially provide a little shade like you know um but to be yeah i uh, no 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 box for me <laughs> gotcha gotcha is there um and so you kind of touched on this with the vision board. Um, how often do you think in the, how, how far in the future do you often think? Mm -hmm. And then how far in the future can you think? Both of those are very good. I have, it's funny because we like to have ideas of what we think we want to have. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I like, I graduated PT school. When I started, I was like, yeah, we're going to graduate PT school. That almost didn't happen. Like, <laughs> you know, like there was a couple of things along the way that almost, I almost didn't make it to that end destination. Shadow of Neuroblock still looms. <laughs> that I've let it go, but man, that was a hairy time. Like things mm -hmm. got a little weird and luckily everything worked out as it should. Um, but I, I think it's good to have a direction, kind of like that uh, equine therapy we went and did. Mm -hmm. I think it's vital to have a heading 
Now, do I think it should be like etched in stone? Like this has to happen for me to be happy or this has to happen. I don't think that is a way of doing it. Um, but I think the general idea or the general heading is important. Um, so as for me looking to the future, yes, I have things I, I am working to manifest. Um, but is there a set timetable? Like five years is like the farthest I can, like, <laughs> it's, I can't even like grasp. It's hard for me to, right? It's hard for me to put myself somewhere in five years because I don't know what the heck is going to happen during those five. That's a lot of days. That's a lot of moments, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things I get to experience during that time. So I have no earthly idea what is going to present itself because everything is changing from moment to moment. There are 7 billion people in this world, all interacting and all coinciding and all creating. And it's hard for me to just pin down the one thing that I would, where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing, how I'm going to do it. No idea. I know I have a general idea of love to, to speak and talk and to share and to help. And now I'm putting that into motion. I'm cultivating that on a daily basis and trying to manifest that daily, or I am manifesting that daily. But who knows what's going to bloom out of that? Mm. Right? Like if I only have, this is kind of a fun analogy. If I only, if I only set myself for four things that like make me happy, like this has got to happen, then this, then this, and this. And if those things happen, I'm going to be happy. Well, there's like seven, there's 7 billion people. So that means there's like infinite number of possibility that things could happen. Now, I'm no math major, but four over a billion is not very good odds of me being happy with these things, right? So if I have the general idea, the general heading, the purposeful action to make towards that heading, I think the universe, God, source will work itself out as it should and put you where you need to be doing that. I think it is very interesting that your imagination of the future seems to end with your death. Is that correct or incorrect? I can't even fathom it. Like, I don't, like... Hang on, say that again. That it sounds like you're projecting into the future only as far as is relevant to Randall Sheffield. Well, not even that, like. Exactly. Like that's, that's the, that's, that's your roof. That's your ceiling is like your lifetime and not uh, further than that. Not like generations after your death. Is that correct? Can you even imagine that? Like, have, have you ever really sought thought? Well, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Like. Um, essentially I'd love to have a child, whether it be son or daughter and have them grow up and continue and to live and do what they feel called to do and help Mm -hmm. cultivate that. Um, but that's hard for me to think about sometimes because I'm not there. I don't have, I don't have that. What I do have is 
is what's sitting right here in front of you or through mm-hmm. a screen. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, this is the situation that is presented in front of me right now. Right. And I can act, I love to say I can either act out of courage or fear, and that's going to lead me in a couple of different directions. Um, but I would, I essentially would love to have a lineage at some point, you know, mm-hmm. and to continue on and to have a child do whatever they please. And hopefully they turn out to be a super awesome human being who loves life and can spread love and joy and hopefully instill those lessons. I, hopefully I would be able to instill those lessons in them and let them grow into just a beautiful being. I dig it. I like it. Again, though, I still think it is very Randall Sheffield focused, right? Because a lot of people will say that like um, the legacy of worker blood is uh, still like you're trying to live forever through your children. And Mm. um, you're still projecting into the future only as so far as related to your bloodline, right? And, uh, and, Mm -hmm. uh, right? Like, what about even really fathom that yeah that's interesting like i know life is going to go on regardless if i'm here or not and mm-hmm. i don't know if i would consider it living through my children mm-hmm. um but ultimately i would like to live my life in such a way that i could help affect and change others for the better so even when i am gone like we talked about this in the last one like we you live two deaths like the mm-hmm. last time you're physically here, but then the last time your name is mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that one resonated with me pretty deeply. I'm like, man, that's how can I make a lasting positive impression on this world? And that's where some of the speaking has come in. And then the idea of maybe writing a book or writing a book. So something, <laughs> something can stay while I'm gone that somebody maybe can pick up and read and help not for the sense of joy it would bring my name, but just the sense of, oh, here's something somebody dealt with and they made it through it. And this could, this resonates with me, you know, to, to be able to like leave something behind mm-hmm. that can help others, I think is something we should all yearn to do to leave this world a better place than where we started. I like it. I dig it. It's very interesting. It's, uh, I guess, I guess, just just to clarify, I guess what I'm drilling down to in this line of questioning about the future mm-hmm. and, and the you know Randall centricness of it, yeah, is um, like I think about what will, how will the deer live in twelve mm-hmm. generations? Like, what landscape will they be able to enjoy? And will it be one where it's parceled out by humans or one where they're able to roam in a contiguous faction? And will we ever get the herd of buffalo back? And Mm -hmm. can we ever, can I even imagine a world in which humans are able to put down the fences so that the buffalo can roam as a huge million herd? And um, what about, like, what about the, like California, will they ever get back to fire using fire as land management um, out there where mm. now they're suppressing the fires. And so when they do happen, they destroy so much um, that level of future thinking, like unrelated to me and oh, just okay. related to the things that I love. Yeah. 
that. Hmm. That's some you don't need to have an answer. No, no, that's deep, dude. That's <laughs> like, well, it's easy sometimes to get caught up in our own little world, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is what's important to me because it's happening to me now, and this is what is. Um, no, that's good. That's something I haven't really contemplated much. Like, I know. At least I feel like kind of going back to what I've said, like if I can help like us as a human race or help another soulful spiritual being grow, I feel like in essence, if we are to, if I'm able to help that bring about that and cultivate that in others, I think us being in the position of power, if you will, um, has the ability to change that for those that don't have the ability or the position of power, like for the Buffalo or anything like that, we become more conscious of other living beings as opposed to just using uh, a cow for meat or a chicken for eggs or a chicken for chicken wings. Cause that's a freaking ton of chickens mm-hmm. for chicken wings. Like, right. Like that is a lot of chickens, but it's a living breathing being. Mm-hmm. Right. But I feel like, by bringing awareness and consciousness to others, essentially like, I guess, waking them up, bringing a little light, I feel like that we ha- will have the power to affect that. It may not be within a generation, it may be within like 10, you know, mm-hmm. but if we can bring awareness to that and establish and help shed a light on and get the ball rolling, I feel like that we as this generation can affect generations to come by just getting that ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just work on what you can right in front of you. You just do what you got to do. Right. Yeah. But I feel like in doing that, you're going to affect those to come after you, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like in essence, yes, we, what we do now can ultimately let those Buffalo roam everywhere if we take <laughs> the necessary actions. Like, and we, and we're able to see them as not just a source of meat or just an animal, because essentially we are animals. We just have a unique ability to perceive thought and communicate in different ways, just like they can communicate. Um, so like, do I think by taking care and, us learning more about ourselves will ultimately help us learn more about other animals, spiritual beings, creatures, whatever you want to call them. Good stuff. Is there anything else you want after you die? No, I think I'm good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tap that tree. (laughs) Yeah, man. Just put me under a tree and let me be like, you know, um, that's all I got. Oh, all right. Good stuff. Uh, this is uh, a great pleasure. Uh, chatting with you is always is always a pleasure, and I think uh, within the context of this interview of the re-interview is uh, mm-hmm. also a great pleasure. We we can really get like peel layers back and explore, oh, and yeah. see what's going on. Uh, so thank you, thank you very much for your time. I know you're you're studying for that boards, and it's a whole wacky thing in that board prep. 
Um, I do, <laughs> however, want to, uh, again, give you the floor to address the audience. Maybe you're talking to a younger self. Maybe you're talking to that future generation. Or maybe you're just uh, somebody who remembers you from ecstatic dance and is like, I want to hear this crazy dude's thoughts on something. Uh, <laughs> or is yours? Oh, well, first off, I appreciate, appreciate you having me back. Um, and it's so fun to, you know, listen to the previous one and to, to like see how much I've grown and how excited I am about living in life and to overcome all of those obstacles that look like mountains at the time. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do, where I was going to head, what was going to happen. But in essence, it's just beautiful to be able to sit here and to have this conversation with you and see how much we have both grown and to see how much our lives have you know, it brought, we danced for a little while together, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it pulled us apart, but we're doing, still doing our own dance, but we have these little short spouts where we actually get to dance with each other, whether it's through a screen or however we can connect. Um, I think it's beautiful when we can always get back together and share and be real and be vulnerable. And I think in letting go of the ego and realizing that, it's not really what life's about. Um, you, you really start to find yourself and to find what your calling or what your purpose is. And essentially, if to anyone listening that may be dealing with something that, you know, they have weighing on their heart, I would tell them to run at it head on, to go for it, to take the risk, because you never know until you try. And Yes, it may be scary. It may be frightening. There may be a whole lot of fear. But in essence, you looking at it and you just being like, all right, yeah, this is scary. But this is what I feel like I'm here to do. And by acting out of courage or faith, whatever you want to call it, taking that initial step, the universe will back you up and will help you get you to where you need to go. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Randall. Thank you, huge. This has been Randall Sheffield on Death. Uh, I still got the warm-up questions for you. Um, I don't yeah. remember because you were one of the, you were early, so like it was mm -hmm. I, when I was listening to, it, I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh, I yeah, feel I went like back and re-listened to it too, and it was. <laughs> it was a lot of fun we had fun with that it was it was but it, yeah it was also just like oh such a baby interviewer back then and i oh, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know it's just it's good it's good that i have grown since then if i if i'm oh like, like God, oh, I was yeah. interviewer back then then it'd be like oh geez I, i'm not, not right <laughs> yeah exactly um but it's still it was just very interesting hearing hearing that other conversation and uh i thought yeah, so yeah, too yeah, what were some of your thoughts while listening to it uh, well, I, first thing I noticed was just my tone. I was like, what the hell? I guess it was just like, I don't know. I didn't seem to have like a whole lot of excitement in me or something like that during that time, I guess with everything I was going through, mm -hmm. um, things, I mean, just hearing my voice, it was just like, man, like for lack of a better term, it was just like, I didn't really seem excited about anything. And yeah, very somber. Yeah, it was like, what the hell is wrong with me? That's what my first initial thought was. Like, mm -hmm. does this whole conversation go on in this like flat, monotone, 
not eager, not excited about life type voice. And mm-hmm. sure as shit did. It was the whole thing. <laughs> was just, the whole thing was like, man, like just this even keel. And I'm, I was listening to it. I was like, that didn't really sound like me at all. You know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, so just yeah, hearing, hearing your own voice is tough. Um, <laughs> My secret is I listen to think my recordings um, at like one and a half, one point eight times speed. Interesting. Yeah, because then I can like get past all the ums and ahs and like pauses, mm-hmm. and it just allows me to like barrel through and hear the content rather than being too fixated on like my tone or it's like yeah. do I really sound like that, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, I, I I do agree that your yeah your tone was very somber. Or, it was. It was just like not happy or so. I don't know. It was, could have been a culmination of everything, just all the shit that was going on during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first thing I noticed. So it was just like just kind of this flat, even keel, and that was weird. Uh, and then I just noticed myself saying, "I guess," <laughs> a and you million noticed it times. Too, yeah. yeah, I did. And, that drove me nuts when I was listening to it, but it was also kind of related to where I was at and what I was going through. Cause I wasn't sure really of myself and like this whole journey I was on and PT school and all the different things that were corresponding at that time. So I was kind of a hot mess for lack of a better <laughs> term. So yeah, it's been quite a journey since and retrospectively it's so beautiful to look at uh just to see the growth that i've experienced and i'm looking forward to sharing it and especially with you like i haven't i mean we talk every now and then and usually when we do talk it's like an hour at a time um and then we just like blast all these walls down and we're like yeah that's why that's why this has lasted (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. agreed so that was a lot. Of, that was some good warm up. So like, let me just ask you some quick. Pe- let me pepper you with some quick questions, then we'll roll right. into. All right, let's shoot. Let's go. Uh, how old are you? I just turned twenty nine. Congratulations! Yes, Welcome to the almost thirty club. It's exactly. Great. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. I'm like thirty. I mean, I've always just thought of age as just a number. So it's like, what? What does that matter? Like, there's no real weight to it. But it's interesting. Like seeing i guess friends or former classmates who've got like two three four kids i'm like whoa that is completely different life like completely different situation and it's just interesting to see and to see that i'm not on that same path and i don't compare myself to that path which is beautiful because i'm doing my own thing and it's working out as it should as i'm Mm -hmm. called to and i'm loving what i'm doing so it's been incredible to see Good. And um, what is something in the past six months that you've been proud of? Uh, ooh, okay. Uh, well, I graduated PT school. That nice. was uh, you are August. now Doctor Sheffield. I am Doctor Sheffield, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm extremely proud of my sister, who is also Doctor Sheffield. She graduated from UF Law. Oh, she cool. is, yeah. She's already practicing, so she passed her boards, which was like last week. So. That was an interesting, awesome experience for her. Um, let's see what else. Graduated PT school. I've been super proud of like doing my own thing. I um, oh, I uh, I was offered and invited to go teach at a yoga retreat the day after I graduated down in Costa Rica. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw my, my Instagram post. I about did. I it, saw that. It was kind of a, it was kind of a, a, for lack of a better term, shit show leading up to going mm-hmm. to it, right? Like I just graduated, riding the high train and feeling good. Like everything's going well. I'm like, I'm about to go to Costa Rica and teach and have a good time. Check my passport. I'm entering stuff in. I'm like, I probably should check in before we go out tonight. Da-da-da, name, da-da-da, flight, got it. Yep. Expiration date. Oh, that is not. That is February, and it is August. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> like that is not gonna work. So, exalting all sorts of resources and coming to the realization, like, I mean, I was a mess for about an hour. Like, I was just like, what am I? What am I gonna do? Like, freaking out. And you know how when the mind starts going, it's just like this snowball of just horrible self-talk is what it really was. Like, you idiot, you, you've letting people down. You can't even make sure your passport's ready or on time. Um, but in essence, I, like, kind of came back to the moment. I just did some, like, deep breathing, focused on, like, myself. And I was like, well, okay, well, what can I do in this situation? <sighs> okay. And then I started viewing the situation as a test, you know, like viewing it as something placed in front of me, like an obstacle to see what I was willing to go through to do something I really wanted to do. Like I had something calling inside of me, like to go there to teach and to be in front of people. And I just viewed it as a a test of what I was willing to put forth, the effort I was willing to give to, to make it happen. And as soon as I started looking at it in that sense, like fear had set in, right? Fear. I was like, I don't, fear of not, fear of failing, fear of not being able to go and teach, fear of just like, just fear started to present itself in an interesting way. And after realizing it was just going to be a test for me, Mm -hmm. I had started to calm down, started to breathe. I'm like, this is just, we're going to see what happens. Like everything's going to work out as it should. And I'd happened to get a set of little angel cards um i don't they're in my room um but uh they just have like words of encouragement on it like uh have faith or bless or like believe love uh dedicate whatever the word may be and i just happened to pick out one that day at that moment that said courage and it was just like that little like out of all the cards i could have picked out of the box and out of all the whole situation that was happening i just happened to draw that one card that said courage and it just completely like shifted my world of thinking. And I was just like, all right, we got this. Like things are going to work out. Boom, boom, boom. And sure enough, like things lined up as they should have. Like I couldn't have orchestrated it any better from going from like one shitty end of the stick to like the complete opposite in a day. Like just by having that little bit of courage and acting and taking steps out of faith and courage like the universe was just like you got it like i'm helping you watch this stuff line up and sure enough i got an appointment to get my passport expedited the next day in atlanta i was in tampa at the time mm-hmm. threw all my stuff in my car drove to atlanta i happened to have a, like one of my best friends lives in atlanta i was like hey dude i'm coming for the night like he's like all right come on crash there for seven hours get up go get my passport which was like way easier than the DMV. they're like all right come back at noon that was it yeah came back at noon got the passport and i'm on the plane the next morning at six o'clock in costa rica by noon teaching at like two o'clock 
Nice. It was incredible. And then having having all those events culminate and then to get there and to like be so thankful that all of that happened and then <clears throat> to be able to teach and share even that little bit of experience I had just even getting there with those. And it's kind of led me to something I just did last, what's today, Wednesday? Something I did this past Saturday was host my uh, very first seminar on um, the topic of fear. Topic of fear, the title of my seminar is Fear to Flow, like going from the fear state where everything is just a shitstorm, and then <laughs> taking those steps out of courage to find your flow state in which things start working out and aligning and manifesting as they should. So very good. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. A lot of, stuff, <laughs> lot of good stuff to be proud of. Yeah. Oh, that was off one question. Wow. That was word vomit. <laughs> yeah, it was good. good word we'll, we'll append this to the end of the interview because it's a lot of good stuff. Okay. Um, and then what's something in the next six months that you're looking forward to? Uh, boards are October 24th. So that will be um, an exciting day to mm. get that done. The next week, so like October 31st, will be a more exciting day to see when we pass. And then still in the market for a job, you know, still you know, figuring that out. Um, but I'm working on getting a few more seminars set up. So some around here in Panama City, and then even over in Pensacola, and potentially growing that into something, you know, that's what I've found I've truly enjoyed was like being in front of people and teaching and being just totally vulnerable and transparent to make them realize like, it's okay that to have these fears and to have problems and like, just to be completely transparent so they have somebody that's that they can relate to that's real as opposed to if I just stand up and talk and I'm put myself on a pedestal and pretend to be this whole mighty person who doesn't have any issues it's like well that's I can't be that person as opposed to just somebody who openly admits their their shortcomings but in the essence of that help others grow because you can overcome that and you can overcome those flaws or those fears just by maybe looking at it from a slightly different angle that you hadn't. So really looking forward to establishing and getting that going. Good stuff. Ready to roll into the real thing? Let's do it, man. I'm excited. All right. Good morning. It is March 10th, 2016. I'm sitting here in my apartment in Tampa, uh, my name is Eugene Kim, and I welcome you to Thursdays on Death. Uh, we'll be talking about the four prompts on death. Um, I am, before I die, I want, when I die, I want, and after I die, I want, uh, with Randall Sheffield today. Um, but before that, I just want to talk a little bit about my Sunday Long Form post this week. It was about um, follow-up posts sort of discussing um, horses and stuff. Uh, there was a patient that uh, we, I saw, um, I shadowed in clinic, and he had some trouble with depression, some trouble with, uh, uh, with his obesity and hypertension, um, a lack of exercise, and lack of activity. Um, and I saw this primarily as a lack of nature, as his nutrient. Um, he grew up out in, in a rural region. He recently moved to Tampa. He now lives in an apartment building surrounded by other people in a box. Um, so I recommended a quantum leap farm to him. 
a nice little farm that does uh, hippotherapy, equine therapy, or horse therapy, um, and very many different modalities for, for all sorts of different treatments and indications uh, from veterans with PTSD to uh, adults with severe autism to children with cerebral palsy, um, all sorts of ways to, in to incorporate occupational therapists, mental health therapists, counselors, um, and volunteers, everybody, um, and PTs. Um, all, all trying, all using the horse as the primary tool and mechanism uh, and therapeutic method for these people. So super cool. Recommended him to go check it out, and uh, so he he followed up. He's gonna go volunteer there every Saturday. It's awesome. I'm so excited for him. I can't wait to actually see him and talk to him. I only heard this as relayed to me by a resident um, who's awesome, also. Um, and also, I, I detail a little bit of our, the USF Health students going to Quantum Leap Farm and exploring, learning with horses and all that fun stuff. It was a great time. Um, I had some of my peers uh, write up a reflection on, on their experience at the Equine Assisted Self-Reflection, uh, Self-Exploration at Ease. Um, and so it was a lot of their words explaining what, what the experience was like. So I, thought, I think that was really cool. I hope you check it out at mnmwod.com, mnmwod, Mobility and Mindfulness Work of the Day. It's the overall project that this, uh, even Thursdays on Death, resides under. So back to the subject at hand. Uh, we'll be talking with Randy today, Randall. Um, he is a very good friend of mine here at medical school. He's in the physical therapy school. I'm a med student. Um, but we take the first year of classes together, the first year's coursework. Um, and yeah, he's been my best friend here at school. We've, uh, we've grown very close. We've gone some, on some wacky adventures. We both coach at a nearby CrossFit gym, CrossFit Gaspar, G-A-S-P-A-R, about a mile away from the USF campus. Um, that's sort of how we started to get to know each other. Um, actually, the first time we met was really, really, really like got to know each other was uh, during a partner CrossFit team workout competition and uh, I was at CrossFit Gas Bar and we were partnered up. I didn't really know him. He didn't really know me. I didn't really know that he was his fitness stud. Well, I kind of knew it, but I didn't really know it. But he's he's a physical specimen. Uh, he doesn't really talk about it very much in the, in the interview, but he's a specimen and he is an athlete and uh, both very, very impressive athletes, uh, uh, specimens and athletes. And um, yeah, it was he... He, it, 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 you learn a lot about somebody when you work out next to them, especially in a partner style competition, especially a well-programmed partner style competition where you actually can, you know, use each other's strength. You don't have to be strong all the time. You can be soft. You, you can go ham, really, really ham for a moment, and then you can back off and let your partner take over. Um, and so that, that to me is a sign of really well-designed partner workout. And we... We bonded very strongly during that during that day of working out together, like four or five workouts. It was great. Um, I think he learned a lot about me. I learned a lot about him, and I think we were both pleasantly surprised by each other. It was like, oh, okay, we we can okay, okay. You're you're. I can depend on you. You can depend on me. Oh, this is very cool. And uh, ever since then, we just uh, we've just been continuing to hang out, chat, bounce ideas off each other. Recently, went to the Okeechobee Music Festival. Um, near Okecho Lake Okeechobee, um, between, it's like about, about halfway between Tampa and Miami. There, uh, we saw, we watched a lot of great music, we um, saw a lot of wacky things, and we 
also played a lot on the slack line and that'll be the subject of my next long form Sunday long form post um, but it's also very cool just teach the, all, all the things that we're learning together and um, that we can bring to each other is very very cool um, I'm excited to see where this friendship goes in a couple of years uh, it's a strong strong bromance so I hope I hope it shows I hope it shows in this conversation I think you'll dig it it's a very good conversation we talk about all sorts of things um, ranging from coaching to love uh, to family all around um, so I think you'll dig it I hope you enjoy uh, please shoot any feedback out over and uh, check out more stuff at mnmlaw.com <laughs> thank you very much enjoy it is March 9th, 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sitting here with Randall Sheffield. Um, I'll call him Randy for the rest of this just because that's what I call him. Um, but his name is Randall. And we're going to be talking about death. Um, we're going to be talking about the four prompts, the Thursdays on death prompts. Randy, uh, what are the four prompts? Oh, let me think. Um, what, who are you? What do you want to be remembered as? How do you, how do you want to die? Is that the other one? And remind me of this other one. After you die. After right? you die, what do you want to be remembered as? So Randy, how do you finish the prompt, I am? Oh, let's see. Well, I guess there's no real simple answer for this. I mean, to start it off, <clears throat> I am you know, who I am. I'm, I'm me. I'm Randall Sheffield. I'm a culmination of my past trials and tribulations. You know, I've, I've been a winner. I've been a loser. I've, I've been up. I've been down. You know, it's, it's not just one thing that I can pinpoint it on. It's a culmination of, you know, my, my past and learning from the past experiences I've had that has made me into the man I am today. Mm. You know, I guess that's kind of where I'm at right now, you know. How has that distance traveled from the highs to the lows and from the lows to the highs? How does that, how has that affected your development into the Randy that we all know now? Well, I guess, you know, as you move through life and as you go about, you know, certain things, whether it be sports, school, or whatever you try your hand at, you know, you always want to try and put your best foot forward, but, you know, sometimes it, it necessarily doesn't work out the way you had planned. Mm -hmm. So through the trials and tribulations or through the loss or through, through the worry and, you know, through some of the doubt, you find out who you really are. You know, you can either, you can either shy away from a challenge or you can step up to the plate and take on the challenge that's presented in front of you. What are some of the uh, trials and tribulations that you've experienced that have shaped you? Um, I guess here recently was uh, med school and neuroblock. I mean, that was definitely something that, not neuro, yeah, neuro, neuroblock, that is, was, a, was definitely a, a difficult challenge for me. Um, and med school in general has been a, been a challenge. And, you know, it's, it is difficult but it's something that has to be done for me to continue on to become a physical therapist. So that being said, like, I know I can do it. It's just putting forth the time and the effort and overcoming that challenge 
to move on in the pursuit of becoming a physical therapist. And um, nobody ever said it would be easy. Exactly. <laughs> if, if it was easy, everybody would be a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. So. And is it, I mean, it seems like, I mean, neural block of med school, not a whole lot of people can be prepared for that. Is this, was it a challenge for you because it, it's different from previous challenges because it was a higher degree of difficulty than other challenges that you experienced that are similar? I guess more so it was more of a mental conceptual challenge. Um, just hard to grasp some of the concepts and pathways because I'm very tactile, hands-on type learner. Like mm-hmm. if you show me something or something I can grasp or do, it's much easier for me to learn that way as opposed to, uh, here's a pathway, you just have to know <laughs> it. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's just, it was, it's, been a, it's been an interesting, interesting challenge. Um, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, some more. Some challenges more than others. Um, but it's definitely been a process, and you know, it's helping shape me into the doctor and the man I want to become. Mm. What else are you? You're what, Randy. Yes. What else am I? Well, let's see. Um, you know, I I, I enjoy. I guess sometimes I like to be a man of few words. <laughs> I like to kind of sit back and observe and kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not necessarily the most vocal person there is. Um, you know, it takes me a little while to warm up to people. Um, certain people I warm up to much quicker than others. Um, but I guess once you tear down those walls, you get to see who I really am. And, you know, it's caring, fun-loving, you know, slightly crazy sometimes. <laughs> Individual, man that enjoys CrossFit, working out, and having a good time at the same time. Like, I... I like to have fun. I want people to have fun with what they do, and they should always enjoy what they do, no matter what it is. They should, you should enjoy doing what you do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get distracted, or we kind of like to bitch and moan about, you know, certain things that we have to do. But you should still enjoy those times, because mm-hmm. you'll never get that time back. Mm-hmm. It's a funny thing that you mentioned that you're a you sometimes very man a few words because. Uh, I think some people that would know you wouldn't know that, especially people that are, you know, p- perhaps athletes at our CrossFit gym, because we yes. both coach at CrossFit Gaspar. And um, do you think, do you think that Coach Randy is Randy, Randy? Do you think, or do you think it's a different hat, a different mask, mm. or is it a, or is it sort of a funneling or a channeling of all of that quietness? Um, oh, good question. <laughs> no, I like that. That's a good one. Um, no, Coach Randy, um, I think, brings out a different side of me. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, sometimes I like to have my own personal quiet time. I kind of like to kind of do my own thing. But then, you know, Coach Randy, Coach Randall, whatever, like, I am not quiet. I love helping people. Like, it brings out a different side of me. It makes me kind of light up and, like, to see people grow and change and, like, 
to see people grasp certain things like certain concepts or like certain movements <clears throat> or hit a PR mm-hmm. or see them seeing them better themselves brings out a completely different side of me um, than most people see like when when I'm coaching and I'm usually bright and vibrant and you know I I really enjoy that and it really does bring out a different aspect that's an interesting point you bring up there <laughs> like when I'm working out, it depends on the workout <laughs> if I'm going to be excited or not. Mm-hmm. But coaching, I'm usually always excited, especially just to, you know, try and make somebody's day or, you know, mm-hmm. push somebody past where they mentally thought they were going to stop. Like to see people overcome barriers and break down walls and to pe- see people do things they never thought they could do at one point is inspirational in itself. And that's where I, dr- or I gain a lot of my inspiration from is seeing that seeing people change and seeing people grow because you know by seeing them grow and change it allows me to, and, and you know it helps me realize that I myself am growing and changing mm-hmm. through the process do you have any moments um, that really shine for you as like this is why I wanted to coach this is why I uh, identify a little bit as a coach do I have any moments yeah um I guess like when people have that aha moment, like, mm-hmm. oh, that's what you meant. I'm just like, yes. Like mm-hmm. that is one of the greatest moments of being a coach. It's like finally having somebody understand or come to the realization of what I've been saying this whole time. Like I can tell somebody five five times the same thing, but I realize it doesn't get through to them and I change it up slightly and they're like, Oh, that's what you mean. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. That's always a great moment to have them kind of finally grasp or pick up what you're putting down <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. I don't know I just I just like being around people that enjoy bettering themselves and that's why I've kind of flocked to the the CrossFit community because you know you're surrounding yourself with people who want to be better mm-hmm. so I've um one thing that I've that as like as a personal journey as a coach um, that I've gone through over the last maybe like year or so is transitioning from thinking of coaching as like a sort of whack-a-mole thing where you're finding identifying issues and you're trying to knock them out and bop them on the head um that's like sort of like the novice coach sort of is very much like here's here's an issue of the valgus knee boom oh here's all these things we're gonna do um but i've been transitioning to a a more of of a philosophy of that there as like as a like a coach is a like internal hunter there you're hunting for the misunderstanding within a person and you the you have a trail you have a scent that you can follow which is the improper movement pattern and by following that improper movement pattern and talking with a person, identifying where you know how the winds are moving within them, you can sort of pin down. Oh, it's they don't understand how to brace their core. You know, you can find the the bigger, deeper issue, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of like more more of like a. It's it's not such like a, it's not just so simple. It's more of like you have to tease it out, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that I've been finding, and that that's and th- that's how I find get more of those aha moments with people. Oh, that's what it's supposed to feel like. Yes, I'm very big into the what it's supposed to feel like. 
um, because that's the only really way to learn and that's how I kind of institute things on myself especially like through the DPT program and what I'm learning and how I implement that like the body is designed to overcome deficiencies or you know to continue to work and to function and to live pretty much no matter what's thrown at it so the body's going to be able to overcome and adapt mm-hmm. but there are certain move certain ways we're supposed to or not not necessarily supposed to move but certain ways to move that are going to be more efficiently mm-hmm. um and back to what you're saying about having to tease people or like kind of pull it out of them type or like be the hunter i like to almost think of it like as you're guiding them to a better um to a better way of moving you know because some people some people don't understand they don't understand or they are not kinesthetically aware of how they're moving or what they're doing <laughs> mm-hmm. you know some people just do things and some people move really weird some people do move weird <laughs> and that's where we come in and help them because mm-hmm. you know it's it is it is about feel it's it's about how how your body feels as you move and you know there's definitely a, a, a right way and a wrong way but it's not always right and wrong. It can be better, and that's what I try and get out of people is to make it a little bit better every day. You know, because if you improve, it's kind of corny, but if you improve one percent every day in a hundred days, you're a hundred percent better. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, super <laughs> simple, right? I think that's ten percent of your life, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's basic. <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, very simple concept like that. But I mean, or you can look at it as like goals. Like this is one of my favorite ones. Is like. Some, uh, somebody who's wanting to lose like 50 pounds, that's a big number to overcome. 50 pounds in a year, right? Mm-hmm. But if you break it down and implement it as in like a weekly basis, like one pound a week, well then you've already exceeded your 50 pounds and you've hit 52. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's sometimes in relating things to people, it's not necessarily they don't understand, it's just breaking it down or implementing it or rephrasing it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something as being a coach or a mentor or a guide, um, life coach, whatever you want to call it, has to do and is, is needs to be capable of doing is being able to pull people into that uncomfortable zone and let them know it's going to be okay and that you're going to be better working through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding, finding ways to break down things is hard, but ultimately I find the, the sign of a really good teacher. I was like, we talked earlier, um, like that we're reading this Tim Ferriss book about cooking and uh, the five hour chef and the four hour, the four hour chef. And um, he, he did this thing for me where he broke cooking down into two things where it's prep and pickup. So prep is where you chop the vegetables and you have everything ready so that you can start cooking. And pickup is when you actually, all right, sear the steak boil the things and then you actually serve it to somebody so it's like two acts and they can they don't have to be done one then the other you can do one wait a couple hours or a couple days then when everything's ready timing is right then you can do the pickup oh, which broke blew my mind absolutely <laughs> shattered my world and, and now i'm like okay i think i can do cooking because now i can i can do that thing where I'm, i understand like where the natural divide is um and i break it break each cooking task into two things so it's great 
what if you could implement that elsewhere? Exactly, and that's that's the that's what it is. Is it's sort of like teaching somebody how to do a clean. Like you know, it's like the first pull is the first pull, and it's not the second pull. The second pull is the explosion. Third pull is getting under it and catching it, and learning how to like. Oh, it's not just one big spastic movement. No. It's like forty five different <laughs> movements within one. Don't just rip this off the ground. No. Mm-hmm. No. So you are a man of few words. Sometimes, oh, I guess sometimes. it depends. I guess sometimes. it depends on my mood and like mm-hmm. the people I'm around, and you know, sometimes I get moody. Mm-hmm. It's just part of it. Like, I mean, I'm a human. I'm not perfect all the time. Um, but sometimes I like to be quiet. Sometimes I like to be loud and crazy and do somewhat stupid things. <laughs> but you know, that's that makes me who I am, and mm-hmm. I enjoy adventure and trying new things and kind of exploring. So. I'm going to continue to do those things, and if I like it, I'll probably do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we are the average of a lot of different personalities crammed into one person. And who you are now is not who you were yesterday and not who you were 10 minutes ago. Or who I'll be tomorrow. Exactly. And to think that you are one continuous identity is a little weird. Yeah, there's no way. It's very limiting. Um, but on that note, what else are you in terms of your continuous identity? What, so you're, you're sometimes a man of few words. Um, you are Randy. Mm-hmm. What else are you? Oh, I like to think of myself as, like we just talked about, a continuous growth or a continuous growing spiritual being. Like, you know, I'm always looking to better myself, whether it be in school, um, CrossFit, athletics, spiritually like I'm still searching for growth in all those all those areas and I don't think there's an end in sight in any of them you know it's not like I get here I'm done it's just like I'm continuing to grow and better myself you know at school like this first year of med school yeah I'm going to continue and finish this first year of med school out and the next year will be more physical therapy um you know the same thing with CrossFit right now like I'm I'm been doing it for three years but I don't I don't see an end in sight with that i want to continue to do it and see where it takes me um spiritually i've been up and down a little bit but you know i there's not necessarily an end in sight and you know until we pass away but that's not to say our soul doesn't you know carry on and live on and i think that's what intrigues me most about that is you know this meat suit as you say you know there's definitely there's definitely more to it than just a bag of bones and and a slap of meat you know we all have a soul and it's kind of our guiding light and i you know trying to get more in tune with that and you know kind of see where that where that heads and and listen to listen to that inner voice a little bit more mm. and trying to tune in more internally with it and you know make choices that go along with that inner voice and kind of see where it leads me mm-hmm. so so I think uh, I think this is the this is the transition I think we should start talking about death what do you think we can roll with that so Randy how do you finish the prompt before I die I want <sighs> that's yeah <laughs> you can think about this all you want to how you're going to answer it but until it's asked it's like oh man <laughs> All right, so I guess, well, not I guess, um, before I die, I would like to be an inspiration to whether it be one, one person or a million people. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want 
to be able to change somebody's life for the better. And whether it be through physical therapy, through CrossFit, through just being a friend, a lover, like, I don't know, just to be able to influence somebody to chase their goals, to chase their dreams, to go after what they want, to not set or not let them set self-imposed limitations, you know, to help somebody break down those <coughs> barriers and, you know, to see somebody become, you know, great at whatever they try their hand at. Mm -hmm. um, that's the legacy I want to leave behind. That's the inspiration I want to instill in others is like anything is, anything can be achieved through hard work, through determination and through visualization of you completing that task. Um, not saying everything will come true, but you know, if you want something bad enough, you can achieve it. And I hope to that people will remember that or be inspired by the way I, the way I live, the way I work and the things I do, mm -hmm. you know, because I do like to push myself mentally as well as physically. And I try and break down my own barriers and to see what I can do and see what my body can achieve because a lot of the things I do physically are just as challenging mentally. And I like to think that when people see me do these things, um, that it, it does inspire them a little bit or, you know, it helps them see that, man, that, that can be done. Mm -hmm. you know, because I think it was the four-minute mile. Nobody believed they could do it mm -hmm. until... Roger Bannister. Yeah, Roger Bannister did it. And then now it's been done numerous times since then, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about, you know, seeing and believing. But as long as you see it and you believe it, you can achieve it. And that's kind of my message is like, never let anybody tell you you can't do something. The only person that can tell you that is yourself. And that is something I've dealt with and had to overcome and something we all deal with on a daily basis. But that is something I hope to convey on a daily basis until the day I'm gone and hopefully instill that in others when I am gone so they can continue to better themselves mm -hmm. and, you know, move forward and do great things. Now, you mentioned that it was, you know, whether it was one or a million people. Do you think you might have already achieved that now? With one? Yeah. I think with, I don't necessarily have a, a set number. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I think through coaching and through my CrossFit journey and through playing uh, sports through college I think there has been some I've inspired some but the thing is I want more I want to help change and help others grow too I don't want to sell, set a limitation on the number of people I want to help mm -hmm. or the number of people I can help you know I want anyone that that wants help I want to be able to help whether it be just sitting down and talking to them whether it be like movement related um, or just, you know, like kind of personal life coach related, helping them see things in a different light um, is sometimes, you know, all people need is just a, a different or a change of perspective. Mm -hmm. Seeing it from an outside view and be like, hey, it's not really that bad or it's, it's, it's kind of a blessing in disguise, mm -hmm. which in cases, you know, what people view as a lot of negative situations are really blessings in disguise because 
which there really shouldn't be anything that's negative. It's, it's more so a positive. It's just leading you down a different path. Mm-hmm. So. And it's also it's interesting because you know if it was, let's say, change one person's life, then you you know it's plausible that you've already achieved that. Um, or that it is achievable, like that mm-hmm. is a, a, something like boom, you m- might have already done it, or you will do it pretty soon within the next couple of years. But to say I want to help anybody that wants help, that is a very different ballgame because then that is uh, almost by definition, uh, by the way you phrased it, impossible to achieve, um, or at least to know that you've achieved it before you've died. Um, is there is there an aspect of this that you where you really ever want to know like is it is it important for you to know that you've done this or is it more of the goal Mm, good question i think both you know i would i would love to be able to see to be able to be an inspiration to somebody like somebody that they look up to whether it be through sports academics whatever it be but be that role model for somebody or just to be kind of like that, that helping hand or that guiding, like the little wish you hear um, during a workout that just somebody can whisper it and it just pierces through the gym and just resonates with you, like keep going or work harder or whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. But now that you mention it, yes, I, I, I won't be able to help everybody that needs help, but... I will be able to help those who are willing to be helped. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big difference because a lot of people want to be helped or want help. They just necessarily don't want to ask for it or are too prideful or too mm-hmm. or too almost too stubborn to to let down that wall to let to let somebody know they have a problem or an issue or want to to want to better themselves. I mean, it's like everybody wants to have money. Not everybody wants to make money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But certain things have to be done and whether it's like, you know, going to ask for help or, you know, having somebody almost drag it out of you either way, like either way, it's, it's, it's a difficult task, but helping those that want to be helped, and instilling, not necessarily instilling, but helping them realize that they're capable of so much more than what they what they self-imposed mm-hmm. is something I like to do. And something I, I feel like I've done with some of my, my CrossFit journey, I feel like I've been somewhat of an inspiration to some people. Um, and I continue to look forward to doing that and seeing where it takes me and who else I can inspire and, you know, what growth comes out of it myself as well mm. so you want to help people before you die what else um, I'm working some things I want to do before I die I'll definitely be an inspiration to help people but I'm also looking to I guess get out and explore and see some see some different some see and experience some different cultures and you know just I guess see 
how the world works in different places as opposed to here. Have you ever traveled before? Uh, <laughs> very limited traveling. <laughs> um, so I've been on like a total of five planes and I've <clears throat> landed four times. Interesting. Yeah. First time I rode on a plane, I jumped out. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty dope experience. That's okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. So that was a, that was an awesome experience. Um, but traveling is something I, I really yearn to do. Like I've never, I've left the U S on a cruise ship and just went to the Bahamas. But other than that, I've never been west of Louisiana or north of Pennsylvania. Mm. So it's been very secluded to pretty much the original 13 colonies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I've been. Um, mm. Not too far west, um, you know, but I... I really want to see what else is out there. I really want to, you know, see and explore and experience some different different cultures, different ways of life, different ways of living, different ways of interacting with people. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and... <laughs> it's, um, it's something that I think everybody should do if they can. Yes. Um, is to travel for at least three weeks alone somewhere and it might maybe you know it's it's really like you know booyah extra credit if you go somewhere like india or like malaysia where they are like a lot of little brown people and you stand out and you don't speak their language uh but you know even even three weeks backpacking um through like you know northern california and staying on people's couches through the internet you know like even that experience will you'll learn a lot because it's there's something about travel and there's something about knowing that you're not really setting down roots where you are but mm -hmm. you can still enjoy the moment to the fullest it is something that you know if you i it's you know it's sort of a vibe where you can kind of tell people who've had that experience whether it's through travel or maybe it's through um re like like even like festival culture music festival culture there's a very strong like thread of that of of like all right i know there are no real con like there are no social consequences for my actions right now like i can be a giant jerk to everybody around me and it's not really going to haunt me you know in the same way if i do it at my job or if yeah. i do it you know at school uh, so who you are within those within within that context of almost no consequences says a lot about who you are deeper down and travel is such a great way to learn who you are when you know you don't have to you don't have to leave the museum because you have three friends that are bored by the museum you know you can stay all day at the modern art museum if you want you know and mm -hmm. there, there's something about like learning like what does it mean to live life at your pace that is very very important for people and i think it's also really important to do that while you're young uh, while you still understand and you can still change as a result of what you've learned. Um, you know, a lot of people will wait until they're like older to travel and then they do the cruise ship and it's like, are you really traveling? No. Yeah. Not really. You're not really <laughs> separating yourself from anybody. Mm-hmm. And, so. you know, I, I totally agree. I think travel is, you know, kind of a, a way to find out who you really are. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something I look forward to doing in the next few years when 
I finish, you know, med school and PT and kind of get a little time away where I can, you know, figure out who, who I am truly mm-hmm. and the path that I want to take. You know, I'm on this path right now to become a PT, um, but who's to say that's where I'll end up or what I'll end up doing, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm, I'm excited to see where this path goes. Excited to see what it what it holds and what it partakes, mm-hmm. but am I limiting myself to just becoming a PT? No. Mm. So. Yeah, who knows? Who else is gonna happen on the way there? You have no idea. What else do you want before you die? You want to help people. You want to travel. Is there a third thing? Um, what else do I want? Hmm. I guess, well, I, mean, I keep saying I guess. <laughs> Not I guess. I, I want to. I want to find a true love and passion, whether it be with someone. Well, with someone, yes. I want to find a true love. And cherish that daily. That's something I. I want and look forward to um, not trying to force it into my life but in time when I'm ready it will be brought brought to me um, mm-hmm. but that's that's something I, I want and I want to cherish and want to want to have and you know like to be able to share time and moments and and the stupid shit you do <laughs> on a daily basis. Like, the, the things that don't matter, but the things that matter so much. Is this a... Is this a love that is categorically different than a love that, than love that you've experienced prior to now? Is this a new type of love that you will experience for the first time with this person? Is it a... Or is it more of a... Um, you know, perhaps previous relationships found that that rhythm or that that cadence that you're looking for, uh, but it fell out of that rhythm or cadence, um, and that's why the relationship ended. And you're looking for one in which the relationship can maintain that for longer and or ostensibly until both of you pass. I think I've had I've had glimpses of mm-hmm. the cadence and rhythm where things just lined up and worked out. Um, and it seemed right, um, but I'm looking for something deeper, uh, a deeper love and connection, um, something that's you know felt internally that that like that that attraction that's not just physical or mental, but almost spiritual or like my soul recognizes. The, my its counterpart, or it's 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 counter yeah it's counterpart, like it's equal and opposite, and something stronger brings us together and keeps us together. Mm-hmm. So that is something I look forward to experiencing and sharing with. It's it's and it's, it's one of those things where it's like that's a it's a waiting game. It is like. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is a little bit of a waiting game. How but, patient are you? <laughs> but then again, you know, I'm still young. I'm not in any rush to go mm -hmm. off and get married in Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, no, that's not, not what I want to do. Um, so, you know, I guess I'll just see, see where the wind takes me and, you know, I have an idea of where I want to head. But then again, I'm, I'm open to, you know, I like adventure and I like change. So mm -hmm. just kind of see, see what, see what doors await mm. is the best way to put that. Is it important for you to have, to create a family with your partner, to have your, uh, your family bloodline continue through you? Um, let's see. I would like to have a son or daughter, of course. I would, I would love to have children of my own, um, to have a family of my own, to have a couple of dogs and whatever. Um, maybe even a cat. Hell, <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's, maybe a tiger would be way cooler, but we'll say house cat. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, of course, I would, I would love to have a family of my own and little shithead kids running around and you know I would love to be able to father and nurture two beautiful babies up to you know to two healthy to help two healthy adults and whether it be through like whether it be through uh, my and my wife's consummation or if you know it be through adoption um, I would still like to have that upbringing or to be able to you know help help inspire youth I guess mm. or help change I mean essentially through adoption or whatever it may be change a life you know like whether it be through my my children or the children that I adopt I would like to be that father figure and you know help guide help guide them through life mm -hmm. but to answer the question yes I would like to continue um, my family's bloodline and is it of utmost importance to me not necessarily maybe to my maybe to my mother or father <laughs> it might be Same here. yeah <laughs> so I mean I, of course I would love to have children of my own but if I can't if my wife can't or whatever like that's not the end of the world. There's all there's another means, um, but mm -hmm. in the end, I would like to to father up my own children. Yeah, and the, well, the reason why I ask is because it's um, you know your description of love of that like of that soul companion. Um, mm -hmm. I I hear I hear echoes of that when people describe what it's like to look at their child for the first time mm. and I wonder would you you know like rant like you know that crazy hypothetical that will never really happen would you trade the love of your life for your child like would you like if you like which would be yeah right like which would be which would be which would be wow. more weighted in terms of what do you think would you at this point in your life at 28 26 
um, what would you? Where do you think you will derive more from? Would it be the partner, or would it be the the lineage? Mm. What would I derive more from? Yeah. Man, that's a deep, tough question. <laughs> you just threw at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, wow. Uh, I have yet to think about this one. So <laughs> yeah. <give me> a <laughs> second. <laughs> Because it's a it's a tough thing. Because it's like, do you want to? It's sort of like, do you do you want to be the lonely lighthouse keeper, uh, but knowing that you are tending to a garden that will bloom, um, in the future, or do you want to, um, sort of be the last two people on an island together? Man, and that's a great way of putting it. Right? I'm not <laughs> yeah. That was spot on description. Thank you. Of how Thank you. how how you go with that. Mm. And it's tough. It's a very, it's, I mean, and it's a weird thing because we are at the age now. We're both 26. Yeah. We're both at this age where those focuses shift. Where, they do. Where, you know, when I was, if, you're, if you talk to an 18-year-old, that they will only really, I mean, you can't not only think about your, your companion because that's all you can really imagine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once you start hitting the 30s, that's when you start thinking about that legacy. And that's where you sort of really understand the importance of it. And uh, we're in this weird phase where we're sort of uh, seesawing from one to the other. And it's like, where, like, is it, you know, at what time should we really make that shift? Or can we, are we the type that will ever make that shift, you know? Yeah. Um, Wow. That's a a weighted question. (laughs) Yes, it is. Man, um, I get, I would have to agree. I'm totally in that seesaw limbo right now of shifting between I mean I'm still looking for that companion and that lover but then again like thinking about my child like I don't I don't have one yet but but I often hear my parents say like but you'll understand when you have children one day <laughs> I hear like, all the time yeah right you, you hear that all the time but I can't grasp that concept yet because I don't have a child but you know, I think once, once I do see like my firstborn or like my children, I, I don't know. That's a who knows. Every, everything might change. Yeah, exactly. I say that. I say that as like a you know like when people ask me like, oh, what specialty do you want to do? I'm like, I don't really. I mean, I have ideas. Yeah. Like, I want. I might want to go into psychiatry. I might want to go to preventive medicine. But you know. If I if I'm in my fourth year or third year of medical school and I do my OBGYN rounds and I catch a baby and it like trips my balls off to see this life, life in my hand I'm like, like what first breath, yeah yeah and I'm like all right that that's it OB OB for life yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know until I have that experience exactly. like until that little life is in my hands I don't yeah. know what that's gonna be like um, so yeah it's a big binary switch that that is wow. Well, yet to be that switched. was yet to be tripped. Yeah, that was a heavy question. <laughs> yeah, so let's yeah let's, uh, let's let's shift let's shift to okay. when you die. Okay. When you how do you finish the prompt? <clears throat> when I die, I want. <clears throat> oh, um, let's see. When I die. Mm. When I die. You know I I don't. I don't want, you know, you often, I've been to a few funerals and seen a few people pass and, you know, what's, 
what often trips me up is like, you know, people mourn and you're going to mourn, but I hope people like celebrate the life I had and like, you know, realize that I enjoyed living and like, yes, I'm gone, but am I really gone? You know, mm-hmm. is my, my, my body's gone, the, the meat suit, the flesh is gone, but you know, depending on what you believe, I feel like my soul will continue on forever. Mm-hmm. You know, um, now I have no idea where it'll go. <laughs> you know, whether it be through go to heaven, reincarnation. You know, you know wherever it heads. You know, I still feel like I'll be, I'll be around. I won't be Randall. I'll be, you know, um, I guess a spiritual or a, a spiritual entity, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Um, but you know, when I die, I, I don't, I don't see myself being buried. I would like to, I think be, I, I would like to be cremated and mm. have, have my ashes spread around, um, a few different places. Um, just so I, you know, could, could could spread, I guess, my wings, um, as opposed to just a box in the ground. Mm. Um, Why cremation, and which places? Have you considered which places? Um, yes, I've considered a few. Um, I love the water, I love the beach, I love the lake. Um, like, my family has a um, like all of us together, we have a lake house up on Lake Harding in Alabama, and that is one place I've considered. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, all I have is great memories growing up, and you know, having a good time with my family, and you know, usually when we go there, we're all together. Um, but it'd be between there, and I guess. Um, um, where my family resides now, and that'd be the beaches of Panama City. Um, there are really no prettier beaches I've ever seen. Granted, I haven't traveled much, but I mean, the white sand, I, I don't know, I just love the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think cremation more so because on a deeper level, like more of me would be just spread around. As opposed to con- confined to a box. Mm-hmm. Now, would I like to have maybe a headstone that people could go to um, and you know remember me by or whatnot? I think that would be. I think that would be just an added bonus, but I think by having myself spread around in certain places by like certain people traveling to those places would bring back that memory as opposed to like me just being coddled in a box in the mm-hmm. ground with a headstone mm-hmm. saying from date to date. Mm. It's such a bracket, so bracketed. Yeah, yeah, it's just like so confined. Like he was here and he ended here and this is the box he's in. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's his life. And I don't like to think of it that way. Mm. Earlier you mentioned um, briefly that you've seen some people pass. Um, have you seen them pass like right in front of you? 
not necessarily right in front of me. Um, I've had, you know, some of my my family, my my relatives have passed, and then one that really shook me up for a while was my um, one of my buddies I played baseball with when I was at Gulf Coast. Um, he was in a, a a firearm accident, and you know that that kind of rattled me to the core. Mm. Um, because he was so young and, you know, it was just, how old was he? Let's see, this was my junior year of college, so I was 20, 22, mm. he was either, I think he was 20, 22, 21, 22, mm. yeah, and I mean, you know, I, we had all played together for a year, but that was possibly the closest, I guess, family of teammates I'd ever really had, or one of the closest families I'd ever had with my teammates. But you know, seeing that, seeing that life just taken like that was, you know, it really it really shook me, um, especially being close with him, and mm-hmm. so that was that was. Um, a difficult experience um, but you know through through some of the other teammates and everything we you know we obviously overcame it but it was a difficult time for us then mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean life is fragile and we often think like well you know often feel like you're Superman sometimes and then you come crashing back down mm-hmm. to that to that reality that you know life is life is precious and it's short and you know we were only around for a, a blip of time on this continuum of how long the earth's been around you know it's we're here for a fraction of a second compared to the, the time earth's been earth's been around mm-hmm. so that that ingrains itself in you somehow like it imprints itself oh it definitely does the, your experiences imprint on you and you know just like we talked about your trials and your tribulations like they they kind of set a framework for you but it doesn't necessarily mean you're bound to that framework you know you can you can always branch out and like we said you're not the same person you were yesterday and I'm not gonna be the same person tomorrow you know it's a continuous growth but do you have things that rattle you to your core? Of course. And, you know, I think it's interesting now, especially being in in cadaver lab and med school and being around that on a daily basis, you almost become desensitized to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the great reality is, is like, we're going to be not necessarily on those tables, but in that same situation at some point. So. Mm-hmm. So you want to be cremated, you want to have your ashes spread at some beautiful locations. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want when you die? Um, for <clears throat> my family to have a big ass party. <laughs> <laughs> 
and you know let them rejoice and enjoy and you know kind of remember the good times instead of like always gone like yeah physically yes but in the memories and like spiritually or whatnot I'll I'll be there forever Mm -hmm. you know and then I want people to remember those memories and remember the good times remember like all the fun stupid things and experiences I shared with those people and that's what I want them to go on and rejoice and you know like I'm gone now but like I'll see them again one day mm-hmm. so like I don't know I want them to enjoy and celebrate the life I had as opposed to mourn the loss there's this um, idea within some Native American cultures that you die two deaths have you heard of this? I have yeah you die your first death when your heart stops beating and you take your last breath. And the second death occurs the last time your name is spoken out loud. And so along those lines, like the mourning of a loss is such a whimpering way for like the, the you know, the end of the life, the start of that second life mm-hmm. to begin. Mm-hmm. It's such a sad way for it to start. It's like with such a whimper. Whereas the celebration is, that's, okay, we can get some echoes going, people talking about this stuff, telling mm-hmm. some of these stories, great, and that's how you get that legacy, that second life to last a little bit longer. Um, yeah. And I think that's important. Um, not necessarily so much um, for, like, my pride's sake, but, like, to have people remember those times we shared and like be able to relay it to other people and be like oh you remember that time we went to that music festival and mm-hmm. slacklined all day and played lava like <laughs> <laughs> like that's you know like to have people talk about that or whatever it may be but like to let people know like that I enjoy life and enjoy living and like to inspire people to want to live like I did, or whoever it may be. So, mm. should we start talking about after death? Wherever you want to take it, man. All right, let's take it there. After <laughs> I die, I want. <coughs> I think we've touched on it a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, after I die, I would like people, like I said earlier, to celebrate the life I had, and you know, to. To keep that, uh, like you said, the Native American second life going, um, and let that be an inspiration to someone somewhere. To let it, you know, inspire them to do and to be great or whatever it may be. Um, I haven't really thought about this that much. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it is. It's like, tough. <laughs> it is. Wow. Um, this is next level. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, the way that I visualize these questions personally is the, the you know I am before I die I want and mm-hmm. when I die before oh, so so I am and before I die I want those are sort of the roots of a tree mm-hmm. that's sort of where you have been and that's where you were the when I die, I want a sort of the trunk 
And the after I die, I want are the leaves and the blooming flowers at the top. And it's sort of like there's a funneling effect. You funnel from who you are now and what you'll do before that death day mm -hmm. to that death day. And then after that death day, where do things spiral out from? So, hmm. so right now we're talking about a celebration within your family of your life. Mm -hmm. um, what else? What else do you want to have spiral out after you die? And not necessarily as a, maybe not necessarily a direct result, but you know, mm -hmm. where do you want things to go? Um, wow, that's, <laughs> that was a great analogy. I like it, especially with the tree on the tapestry. <laughs> um, no, I, I guess I'm going to stop saying I guess. <laughs> so, in, in looking at and in, in visualizing the tree, I, <clears throat> I guess I could see my branches or like the branches of the tree that stem from the root being like my family celebrating. And then, like, the leaves that would, you know, kind of fall off those branches be, like, the memories or the stories or whatnot that they tell others and share with others. And you could even go with the flowers that bloom and the seeds that fall off the tree and, like, sp are spread out throughout, you know, throughout the land or wherever it may go. But, like, to be able to have my story or a portion of my story travel to someone who just needs to hear it, you know, who just needs to hear an inspiring story or needs to hear just a simple story about a guy who liked CrossFit. I don't know, <laughs> but whatever it may be, but like to have that story reach somebody even after I'm gone, like I won't personally know it, but if that, if my story helps inspire somebody else when I'm gone, then I think I live a life worth living. Mm. you know to be able to help those when you're when you've moved on is is powerful stuff is there anything else you want after you die <sighs> I don't I can't think of anything right off hand well, let's 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 conclude. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's, uh, Randy. Let's say some some words to uh, the future people that are listening to this conversation right now via via my phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you say to anybody who's listening to this whole conversation? Um. Well. Uh, I guess you got to see a, a little bit different side of me. Maybe a, a deeper side. Um, you know, um, man, this is, <laughs> uh, I, I guess that's who I am. Like, this is, this is me. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening. Um, and, you know, been fun this was very very <laughs> very very deep um mm -hmm. like do you have any do you have any words of advice any anything that you made it maybe would have loved to hear 10 years ago that's something you would have wanted to, you want to tell yourself a younger version of yourself something you want to hear from an older version of yourself oh let's see i'll give you the floor um 
I guess something that I would tell my younger self um, would would probably be to relax a little more. <laughs> relax a little more. Um, and just enjoy every every moment you have in every situation, whether it be good or bad, um, because it's going to lead you mm. down the path that you're destined to take. Mm. And enjoy the ride and hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Good final, good parting words. So, um, Randy, this has been a pleasure. It's been fun. Um, this has been Thursdays on Death with Randall Sheffield. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation, listener, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation, Randy. I did. I did. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, man.